Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast episode 66. That's right, this uh, episode is sponsored by those Nikes that Lil Nas X is trying to flog with the blood in him, the Satanist. There you go. <laughs> Joining me today, Alex Jones and uh, Jamie Mukaluk, Puma sponsored man. I don't maybe know. one day, hey? Puma. Maybe. Can, dream. can you fucking imagine? That would be quality. Yeah. Then anyway, I can release my own line of trainers with my blood in them. Like, can you imagine mm. Puma trainers making the headlines? Oh, I got it. Instead of blood, we do liposuction and we put my fat in the bubbles. Oh, I'd buy those. Ooh. Hell yeah. Do you know how, yeah, do you know how fucking cushioned that shit would be? Exactly. You'd feel like you're Hell walking yeah. on a cloud. And well, warm in the winter. <laughs> uh, True. <laughs> if you're uh, listening to us for the first time, we are a sneaker podcast. Uh <laughs> You know, Puma, Nike, a little bit of Adidas now and then. We've been known. Uh, but no, we're a gaming podcast and we are available on all major podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. So go check us out. We are also available on Paisley Radio, paisleyradio.com, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Uh, with a follow-up on the Monday, 8 p.m. or 10 p.m.? It's 10 p.m. 10, 10 p.m. 10 p.m. There we go. But I messed you up because I moved the little thing, didn't I? Yeah, my you bad. did. You you. You bumhole you. Uh, but yeah, you can check that out. Uh, so we go live on YouTube first on the Friday, then the following Thursday, Paisley Radio, the following Monday, Paisley Radio again. Three opportunities to listen to us talk shit. Hell to the yizay. Now, guys, we've got a lot to talk about uh, in today's episode. We're going to talk about some uh, the new COD, some Warzone leaks. Obviously, Cyberpunk dropped their new 1.2 patch with over 100 fixes uh there's some interesting microsoft uh, x cloud news as well but before we head into all of that there's a little like a little like a poo nugget of a story that we could just kind of talk about you know the little poo nugget you know sometimes like you think you're done but then it's just that like i don't think that's ever happened to me bloop. no, no. when no, you just think to yourself i'm I just gonna give it one more kind of squeeze you know shits and giggles if it's shit it's shit if there's nothing i giggle so shits and giggles, and then just a little nugget comes up. No, no. If anything, that sounds preferable to what I experience most of the time, which is kind of a like a, a strange kind of like I'm teetering on the edge of is there more or not? Like wow. I'm trying to communicate with that part of my body. Like I can't tell if there's any more. Just tell me. Give it to me straight. Like just give me the signals. Can send I get up or not? Yeah. Send me. Send me a message. Um, yeah. But yeah, there we go. So the the little poo nugget of a news story is that there was a huge uh, cheat crackdown operation. Uh, in China, called Operation Chicken Drumstick. I, th- I think that was actually the cheat operation was called Chicken... I think they called themselves Chicken Drumstick. I was a bit unsure from the news story. Oh, right. So the, so there's a... The, okay. There's a criminal organisation. Let me paint the scene yeah. for you, okay? It's it's raining in Shanghai or wherever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the police are there, but they're not... They're, they're like plainclothes police officers, but they've got like the SWAT guns, like the MP5s or whatever they, you know, Chinese SWAT equivalent have and use and whatever they're called. It's, you know, it's overcast, it's raining, it's steady rain, it's been raining for about three days. And they kick down the door and there are like two 14-year-olds with a company sign in, in neon that they bought from, the, it's a displate and it says chicken drumstick. And it's like, and, the, and then the Chinese policemen just shoot them. That's what happened. Great. I reckon it's actually an actual chicken shop Oh, and that would be great, wouldn't it? was wouldn't just it? a bunch of kids studying IT outside, like, you know, as an extracurricular <laughs> thing. And the police got some bad advice and they just kicked down <laughs> they, the door. They were just, they were set up next door to a chicken shop and they were stealing their Wi-Fi. 
That's what the, <laughs> they got the IP addresses mixed up. And we were like, this chicken shop is selling cheats. That's great. They call themselves chicken drums. Okay. I don't know. Well, all of this just sounds like Sleeping Dogs DLC that I kind of want to play. Oh, man, that would be <laughs> sick. Okay, but the actual story is Tencent, in collaboration with the Kunshan police, uh, closed a massive cheat operation that uh, generated revenue of $76 million. Yeah. That's kind of like, that's kind of insane. But yeah, that's a lot mental. Of money. The cheat company made cheats for games such as Warzone Mobile and Overwatch. And th- this is the thing that fucking blows my mind. They had a subscription service for these cheats. So it- it's not only our games that are fucking becoming subscription services, it's fucking cheaters as well. So you could pay anything between $10 and $200 a month. And they just like, they're like, yeah, you could use our cheat service for, I don't know, map hacks or fucking wall hacks or whatever it is. It's kind of crazy. So the operation saw 17 cheats destroyed. I guess, like, it doesn't sound that impressive, but it's probably like a cheat for Warzone for, like, map hacks, right? Like, shit like that. So 17 different kinds of cheats, and 10 people were arrested. But that's kind of crazy as well. If only 10 people were involved, and they're pulling in $76 million, you think maybe they could have, like, greased the palms of the police and given a couple of, like, fluffing jobs, you know, and... You know, it's just a little bit of a heads up, like, hey, we're going to come and shoot you in the face. I don't know. Well, I bet Mr. Big's probably taking like 98%, and then you've got all these uh, little poor people just making the cheats. Little and poor got, people. Um, they're getting paid like less than less than minimum wage. I Is mean, there a minimum wage in China? I've got no idea. It, probably, not. probably not. I don't know. But yeah, so they the police seized $46 million in assets, which is kind of mad as well. Like, wait, what does $46 million in assets mean? Have they got this like massive server farm or something? Apparently, they they had a number of um uh like really expensive cars that they got seized. Oh, but then what? Like that to me is I'd odd. love that you next are... to the chicken shop, like the corner chicken shop. <laughs> they just got all of these fucking like Lamborghinis and Ferraris, and it's like oh, oh not, 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 nothing like, going wrong here. The, the funny thing is that happens. I can tell you a story. I won't go into too many details, <laughs> but I have walked to the local supermarket before and walked past a house that was having some kind of a party, you know, doors open, people going in and out, that inexplicably had at least 10 supercars, like, in yeah. the parked in the vicinity. And you just kind of look at that and you're like, wow, Drug- what kind of what kind of business dealers. are they into? <laughs> yeah, because, like, that, no, no, I wasn't going to try any funny business. <laughs> Walk in and just kind of make myself at home, stop picking up yeah. the party food. You should um, not. yeah. No, how can I say this delicately? I would have stood out. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I would have, yeah, been... Jamie, is it... You know, one like- of these things is not like the other kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah. But I'm it, having it fun also, now imagining it was, the it variations. A, it's also like... Yeah. It's not the part of town you're going to live in. If you if you can afford that car, you can afford a nicer place to live. Yeah, it's we that weird thing, oh, isn't weird. it? Oh, weird, okay. But so, yeah. So, yeah. What's, in, what's interesting about this is... It's the world's largest, uh, like, sting operation, I guess, and crackdown, based on the sums involved and the number of games affected. Um, But Mm. I wanted to get your guys' take on this, because a 2019 survey found that a third of gamers admit to using online cheats to improve chances. That (sighs) that sounds, like, exceptionally high to me. Yeah. Now, okay, so we we were discussing this before the podcast came, uh, started recording, and we asked each other, like, do we cheat in games? Like, do I cheat in Dota? No. Do you guys cheat in Warzone? No. The, probably the last time I cheated in a multiplayer game, I might have been 12, 
in in a lobby of Delta Force, or maybe it was Delta Force Two, <laughs> where I thought it would be really funny to do this hack where you yourself would not experience gravity and you'd have an unlimited bazooka. So what I'd do is I'd just jump around like a flea, just pelting people with RPGs from the sky. I thought right. it was funny, but I was twelve. But since then, no, I have not cheated in an online game. Obviously, I think. Yeah, like I, so I, I stopped cheating when it got beyond the point where you just had to type something in on your keyboard. Oh, like, yeah, as soon yeah. as you had to download or install or something, I was like, meh, I can't be bothered. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm not preaching. To be fair, cheating in single player games, they, there's a lot of fun in that because you can create different kind of scenarios. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you think of your, your GTAs and, you know, the what was the one San Andreas, the riot mode? That's pretty fucking cool. Oh, so, that, yeah, oh yeah. Like, you know, old but school then it, cheat codes were. Yeah, were a blast. And, and all of that shit's fine because you're not. You're not harming anyone, but in a multiplayer yes. game, it's fucking. I'm I'm so surprised that a third of gamers admit to using online cheats to improve chances. Yeah, it seems high, especially because cheating in a lot of these games never seems particularly convenient. Like it always seems kind of complicated. Like if you told me to start cheating in Warzone, especially as a console player, yeah, I wouldn't know where to start. Like how do I get wall hacks on a PS5? I, I don't know. Well, what you got to do is you got to go to the chicken corner store, pay them ten. There you go. <laughs> Ten to two hundred dollars a month, and you know, get there. I, I, I just actually go to my local chicken shop, and I'm just wiggling my eyebrows, going, "I want the chicken drumstick." If you know what I mean, they're like, <laughs> "We have no idea what the fuck you're talking about." Yes, I really got like, wings. So the uh, the 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 drumstick, if you know what I mean, <laughs> the drumstick that lets you see through walls. Yeah, um, then I leave the chicken shop disappointed. <laughs> I need to notice that for some reason there's a golden Lamborghini parked in front. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just didn't use the proper code word. It, yeah. It's interesting, you know, like, so Dota 2, they've just cleaned up their new player experience with the release of the anime. And part of the cleanup is um, banning Smurf accounts. Okay. So, so the idea would be you do your ranking and it gives you your MMR and that puts you in your matchmaking and makes the games more or less fair, right? Because you're playing with people against your own level. So what people do is they create these Smurf accounts that are a lot smaller. They go in, they absolutely stomp. But it just doesn't make sense, okay? Because, like, why? Why do that? It, it, for the satisfaction of saying that you... It, it's like, imagine imagine going to a nursery and playing a game of football with fucking six-year-olds. Yeah, no fucking shit you're going to stomp them. But where's the actual enjoyment in that? Like, maybe once, sure. Uh, not going not gonna, to not deny it. But then the, I, other, the, the flip side of it uh, is people create Smurf accounts, bring them up to a certain MMR, and then sell that MMR. So from the other side of the coin, people who are shit at a game are like, oh, I'm shit at this game, so I'm going to buy this account with a higher MMR rating to play in higher matches. But then what happens there is the inverse. They get into the match, and all of a sudden they're in a 7,000 or 4,000 um, MMR bracket, and they're just absolutely stomped. And they're like, oh, what's happening? Yeah, I don't get that. Like, what's, yeah. the, what's the point? Just start from where everyone else starts, and then you're going to learn the game and get better and build it up. It's, yeah. it's kind of redundant but, right, to like, start higher up. Aimbots, like, what's the point? What, what's well, the- no, 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 but, but now we're getting into cheating. What's the point? And, like, <laughs> the, the point of cheating is obvious. It's to win. Yeah. Like, some people are like, what's the point in ana- anabolic steroids? What's the point? <laughs> To be better than everyone else. That's what it's, the point has always been. And I get why some people, their brains are wired that way, but I... I, oh, I, I, I don't agree on. with that. See, that's a weird analogy. I, the only reason <laughs> I say it is because I've been, I've been looking at a lot of specifically, like, I watch a lot of YouTubers now who use steroids and stuff like that, and they talk about why they do it. And I think the difference is, is at least with that, 
it's like taking a drug that would improve your skill at a game. So if someone said to me you could take a pill that made you uh, the best Warzone player in any match, I would kind of understand that in some respect. But if someone said to me there's a cheat where you go to the gym and you put the weight on a heavy weight, but there's a little thing behind it that clicks a button so you're not actually lifting that weight, it just looks like you are. I'd be like, what's the point in that? Because you're not... Even yeah, if you but, win, like you said, the point is to win. I'd still well, say. Well, but, do you know what I mean? One is to kind, win. Is I, I kind of know what you, you mean. Well, I kind of know what you mean, but we're talking about things that don't exist in the other scenario. <laughs> and so the right, people yeah. who are programmed a certain way, like they have to play with the hand they're dealt, they have to use the options they have. You know, yeah. because there is no equivalent to the Call of Duty Warzone steroid, they have to use whatever <laughs> else they. Because I don't know. I. I, I it's maybe in some cases maybe it's a competitive advantage i see what you mean that i think aimbotting is an example of a thing that when it's too good when the aimbot is too good you're taking so much fun out of the process like why are you even playing anymore yeah. but clearly people still want to do it i, I don't know because it's like i suppose like the steroid thing that you take them and then you do the work and then you go beyond where you ever could have been to get as good as you would get but the cheat thing is almost like you do it and then you remove any difficulty. So you didn't really win the thing you were trying to win in the first yeah. place. You've effectively right. won some, if you want to play a game where you click a button and people die, play some like click, clicker game where people were yeah. like a clicker zombie killer. And it just seems really weird to me. And, like. and if you, if you are so shit that you feel that you're not enjoying a game, rather just play a different game. They just get into yeah. a cheat. Like, but I, I but don't again, get it, dude. it's the mentality of like the people yeah. who just want to win. Yeah. I, I'm reminded of a case where, at the start of lockdown, uh, there's a thing called Formula E, which is like Formula One with electric cars. Yeah. And when we first went into lockdown, uh, they decided that they were going to do some online races. They were going to set up the drivers at home with sort of like, you know, racing wheels and like a full setup, and they were yeah. going to put them in a right. game and they were going to race. And there was one guy that did a thing where he positioned like things in the way of his camera so that you couldn't see his face and then also claimed connection uh, issues were the reasons why he couldn't show up to the post-race things. He brought another bloke in to pretend to be him. <laughs> so like he had some other bloke in his house driving while he was pretending, literally swapping places with someone else while they were pretending to race and then claiming the, claiming the, you know, the receipts afterwards. So like, is, is the thing, because so I suppose, that, yeah, so is the thing then, do you reckon, it's not actually about playing the game and winning. It's actually about being able to tell people, like, look, I've got a, uh, a four KD. Like, I've, yeah. I've won 50 games. It's, it's actually about the, po- it's all about post-game. It's not about winning. The yeah, game is almost like I think it has means to, be. to an end. It's such I a foreign right, concept Jamie. to me, has though. To be. Like oh for yeah, sure. it's it's definitely that it's well it, it's 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 probably fifty percent that and fifty percent people who are just farming it for cosmetics or whatever it is right yeah oh, that's yeah that's th- this day and age I can but that to me makes much more sense is to say you really want that legendary item in order to get that you've got to do X Y Z and you're like do you know what I don't have the time to do that I'm going to cheat it because in some respects you're finding a, a hack around how do I get that quicker? But, but when it, it comes... <laughs> but it's kind of mad as well. It's like, okay, to, to use one of Jonesy's analogies that doesn't actually really work. It, it's, like, <laughs> it's, like saying, it's like saying, oh, I really, want, I really want a Ferrari and I'm going to get someone else to take a driving test for me. I still can't drive, but hey, look, I've got a Ferrari. It's like... Someone would absolutely do that. Are you telling me someone <laughs> wouldn't come up to work with a Ferrari they can't drive and say, hey... Check out the Ferrari. Yeah, and they'll say, take me for a ride. And I go, hmm, sorry, out of petrol. 
internet but then you've connections. Still got a Ferrari, but then you've still got a Ferrari. That's the thing. No, I think you're kind of right. Like, because then you've still got the Ferrari. So you still can say, hey, look, I've got a Ferrari. But then you have the weird thing of the Ferrari doesn't mean as much to you as it would have yeah. meant had you worked and got it yourself. You know what? It, 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 it's like that of, like, episode of, that. it's like that episode of Friends where Joey pretends a Porsche that's parked outside on the street is his. And it's not his. And then someone drives the Porsche away and he's flirting with all these girls and they're like, oh, where's your Porsche? So he builds another Porsche out of bo- cardboard <laughs> boxes and just goes and buys a, co- a, a Porsche car cover and puts it over. And he's like, yeah, that's mine. He buys a jacket. It's like, yeah, that's more, ac- that's more what it is actually. It's like saying, oh yeah, I drive a Ferrari, but you don't have a driver's license. And the only thing that, that shows that you are any way affiliated with Ferrari is because you've got a, a hat that says it's got the Ferrari logo on top. <laughs> oh, that is a genuinely, genuinely funny observation you've just made there, Chris. So funny, in fact, that it has rendered you unable to speak or to react to anything else we're going to say or do for the remainder of the podcast, in fact, Josie, because for the sake of the people listening who can't see what's happened, uh, Chris has run into some technical difficulties right in the middle of such an amazing story and impassioned speech, and uh, we're just going to have to kind of continue without him, I guess. Unfortunately so, but um, we'll make it work somehow. Yeah, it's we're gonna have one less voice in the mix, but you know what? Jonesy and I will increase the amplitude with which we're bringing hot takes by fifty percent each. That makes up for the missing man. Got any I'll hot panic, takes? Wanna... I'll panic a little bit as well. well okay, oh, you're, okay, you're just gonna make up for his the lack of panic that Chris we, is leaving behind. Exactly. I'm looking through what we've got coming up and thinking, right, what can Jonesy theoretically panic about? We'll find something. Oh. We nearly argued about something earlier that we're kind of gonna bring up. So, so. oh <laughs> yes, this is true. So maybe we'll get there. But before we push on any further, uh, as we leave behind the chicken drumstick conversation that in real life, Jonesy and I had like eight hours ago. <laughs> Why don't we uh, do a little comment of the week action? Let's do it, mate. Let's All do right. It. This one comes in from Bendy Benz, who says, are you 100% sure you're a video game podcast? I mean, I don't have an issue with crisp talk. It's super fun, but crispy king. And then a lovely little XOXX to let us know that Bendy Benz still loves us after all of that. Um, Crispy King is very, I, I suppose it could be loads of things. It could be donut oriented. It could be fried chicken oriented, couldn't it? It doesn't it sound could like be. a gaming thing. It's open ended. And I, I'll be honest, the crisp talk was a little bit rogue last time. When Chris wrote <laughs> chips into the little document that we have where we discuss what we want to talk about during the podcast, I did kind of think like, wasn't that a comedy TV show? They made a movie about it. Maybe Chris watched something. <laughs> the police, like, wasn't it? Yeah, it was exactly. Yeah, they made a movie like a few chips. years ago that had... That guy called Dak Shepard in it, and uh, it's called Chips. I don't know. But then he just talk, started talking about crisps, unironically. <laughs> unironically, yeah. He loves a crisp, what can we say? Here's a question. Do you sometimes wish that we were a 100% freeform talk about whatever you like podcast, or are you glad that we have the structure that video games provide? I'm glad we have the structure because mm-hmm. um, I am there for the full frontals, um, formerly the After Darks, and they go rogue. Uh, they do. If, if anyone hasn't checked out the new Full Frontal, um, pop over to our Patreon and you can check it out. And if you want to see what it would be like if we didn't have the structure of video games, you'll you'll be glad that we have it after listening to that yeah. ramble. So there you go. It's funny. Sometimes I forget what we actually discuss in Full Frontals or any of those uh, po- uh, Patreon-exclusive podcasts. But Chris this time made a very on-the-nose thumbnail to accompany... <laughs> Uh, this specific episode, and I was immediately reminded of the depths we plummeted to by around the 45-minute point. Um, 
troubling stuff. Uh, and if you wanted to enjoy that podcast, that latest episode of Full Frontal, our Patreon-exclusive podcast, you would have to be a supporter of ourselves on Patreon. That link, if you're looking for it, is patreon.com forward slash super show. We have a bunch of tiers, a bunch of levels that you can donate at with different awards at every single level. And we want to give some shout outs today to the people that are helping us along the way on our journey towards stardom, fame, fortune, and everything else that comes along the way. So shout outs this week to Anthony Muncy, Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Hacksaw Book Read, Jesper Cam Darnielsel, Oh my god, I've butchered it on both ends. Jesper, Jesper's such a nice bloke as well, that's horrible. Jesper Cam Dahl-Nielsen, jo- Jovella Cujo, Leo Merger, Lonnie Thompson, Magic Grits, Mindful Pig, Nathan Piers, Pastors Guild, Scary Omen, Starfall Kid, Zach Cream, and the Head Honchos, The Big Dogs, Shellshock, Manuel Guerrero, Peaswad, and The Dude Abides. Thank you all so much. Um, Wow, if it was kind of brutal butchering someone's name in the middle of a Patreon read, I can't You wait. pulled it back, mate. You, you saved reckon? it toward the end, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I said, Jesper's been a very pleasant man to interact with in the past, so I'm sure he won't mind. If anything, it's given him more screen time. He probably feels a little bit famous right now. Maybe it's getting <laughs> to his head. I don't know. We'll find out. Read the comments uh, down below. Anyway, should we talk about video games again? Let's do it. Let's talk about video games. Let's talk about what you've been playing then. Do you know what's interesting? As you said, Jamie, is um, there has been a little bit of a uh, a break, a hiatus, if you will, between the beginning of this podcast and the. Uh, <laughs> there certainly point. has. What um, you mean? It's not quarter past eleven at night right now, and I'm not fucking exhausted, which is why I'm slurring my words and spill, spilling but, over everything. But that has actually given me a chance to pad out this section for myself because originally I was going to talk about one game I'd played and one game I was looking forward to playing but have received. But I've now managed to put a couple of hours into. Um, the latter game. Um, so yeah, first one up is uh, It Takes Two, which mm-hmm. I've also managed to play some more of since the beginning of this podcast because uh, I just did a stream with my uh, my wife over on uh, twitch.tv forward slash Super Show Jonesy. Um, um, we started playing the get. We played it sort of last week, I guess, the end of last week when it dropped. Right. Uh, and we played, I think, the first sort of two hours. Um, I'm sure people have seen the... Um, or anyone who's looked at the, the footage of it may have seen some of the um, fighting the bees that you do in the hive in the tree. Um, we'd got up to that point, but then we decided to roll it all the way back and we started a brand new um, game for the stream, which we streamed just before we, we went back and started recording this bit of the podcast again. Oh, yeah. um, a very fun game, something I'm really having a, a good time with. I like the art style. I like the platforming, the way that they get the co-op to work, um, that... You know, you need you need two people to play that game. I think. Uh, Sorry, I, I, can I quickly interject? Go for it. Are you trying to say that it takes two? It does take two. <laughs> oh, that's, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, okay. Joel in the stream, uh, he popped along and actually said, "Like, can I play this game on my own?" And I was like, "No, you one hundred percent cannot." They even give you a free. Uh, code for the game when you buy it so that you can give it to a friend so they can play it with you because you, it really does take two you need two yeah. people to play this yeah. um but it's it's a lot of uh it's a lot of fun co-op action you can play local you can play um over the internet so they've really made um i don't know they've made a, they've made a, a nice cool fun i think it may turn out to be heartwarming i'm not far down the road yet so yeah. i can't actually say whether, whether say. or not um but yeah it's it's an interesting like concept as well because the also I suppose not concept like story setup because it's a divorcing couple who um, get forced sort of to go through a whole bunch of things together be, when they get turned into toys by a magic book who's really goddamn annoying. So you don't um, like him? 
The book. You don't like Doctor Hakim? No, he's well annoying. Uh, he sounds like a slightly smarmy Antonio Banderas, and I wasn't is, digging it. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. I've gone blurry, so I'm just going to do this to try and make it go not blurry again. Okay, there you go. Find that Come focus, on. baby. There we go. There um, we go. But no, really cool game. I'm really enjoying it. We've only played sort of some of it so far, but we're going yeah. to try and stream the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to playing a bit more of that. But, yes. Jamie, I also got to play something else um, in the last number of hours, which was Outriders, which actually released today. This As today is Thursday, but obviously this goes out on Friday. So released yesterday for anyone who's listening to right. Yeah, actually, it's only just occurred to me that today's a Thursday and Outriders came out. I'm so used to big AAA games coming out on Fridays, but I guess apparently not. That's not even a rule of thumb anymore. Who knew? Yeah, but also I ordered the disc version. Look, I've got it right this here. This was I was so surprised. That's right, because I remember I spoke to you first thing this morning. I was like, oh, you must have already been playing a little bit, because obviously you get up so early with the kids and whatnot. Yeah, but no, unfortunately. I'd forgotten that you were still committed to that disc boy way of life. Do you know what? I I wasn't, and I started to move away from it, but with games being so big as they are nowadays um, and having to, like, re you know, delete and re-download games. Right, okay, fair enough. Ad infinitum. Um, I've kind of gone back to being more of a disc boy again because it means that I've got... For one thing, it makes lets me remember what games I own because I forget like what games I, I actually have. And if they're on my shelf, I can look and say, oh, I've got X, Y, Z. Um, it also means, though, that I can doesn't feel as final when you delete it if you know what i mean okay yeah sure because the majority of the data is still on the disc which is still right under your tv and it always feels so fast to zap that shit from the disc to the console itself that yeah faster than it does to have to download everything oh sure 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 um, so yeah, I decided that I would pick up the disc with this and I knew Fair I would get a chance to play it early on anyway, like in the morning, so I thought... It, it's, al- it's almost like you could see in advance that you might be deleting and reinstalling this game a lot over the coming months. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's the experience I've had with the PlayStation 5 so far. But look at look at these lovely pins that games oh, here we that go. I get. This look is how this. they keep you in that disc boy mentality. They, they fucking shove pins down your throat and make you think you need them. Jonesy, There's I'm going to, you know what, someone please watching this or listening to this, remember, do a little remind me note in six months time and ask Jonesy where those fucking pins are. I guarantee you he'll have been to the bloody emergency room because one of his kids has swallowed one. And that's about all me. we know of him. The Devastator. Great. That's me. Rocking that one. But you know what? I've never, I don't think I've ever used a pin properly. Um, like I've never, I've never like put one on a bag or something. Oh, that's, you know, that's not true. I did yeah. use a few on my lanyard. Uh, I was going to say, there was also lanyards, but also you're right. Some people who have like kind of satchels or sort of strap bags would put badges and pins all over the sort of the straps of them. But I I, I never personally got it. Although, do you know what the whole pin thing does make me realize? Is that if in some strange alternate future, you just become like the world's biggest influencer, you're just a massive gaming influencer, you're massive on Twitch, you can pull massive numbers... It's going to be really dangerous when the game companies start reaching out to sponsor you because you're going to say yes to a lot of shit and the amount of tat you're going to have in that house is just going to be on another level. It's going to be like one of those <laughs> TV programs about hoarders except instead of like old plates of food and like fast food bags, it's just going to be, yeah, this was a, a baseball cap I got from, from an Activision game in 2017 <laughs> and... My house is already kind of like that. Like I've got an I've got like an Nvidia glass in my cupboard in the other yeah. room. I've got a I've got a Rainbow Six Siege snapback hat. I've got <laughs> the um, Mortal Kombat coin from Mortal Kombat yeah. Ten, the launch. 
Like, but they're, and they're but, just but scattered when, around my house. When it came to time to clear up our offices and we were on the way out from ATG, I genuinely nearly considered just piling all of my stuff into this big Borderlands 3 tre- treasure chest. It was just a dry, gigantic plastic box that came filled with all kinds of shite back in the day. <laughs> and I, that was how much tap we had. Plus, I feel weird about chucking yeah. stuff away. It's like when I used to go to red carpets, um, like back in the day to film, they, they used to give you... Uh, like a pass, like a press pass. And it would have the name of the film on one side and it would say press pass on the other and it would like be on a lanyard. And I could never throw them away because I'd always be like, what if that becomes like a classic... um, You know, bust them out. Yeah. It's like, I get where you're coming from, but the only time I've ever done that is at E3. And I think that's just because (laughs) E3 was an event that like, had some significance to me as I grew up and I was like, you know, you have that thing. You're never going to go to E3. And not only did we go, but you know, as we're going to talk about later on the podcast, maybe E3 was on the verge of huge change that none of us could have predicted. And for all we know for the rest of our lives now, it might never be the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a very good point. So, um, yeah. But yeah, um, I'll touch on Outriders briefly. I don't want to bore sure. too no, much. Of course um, it is, um, so we were talking about this just before, um, and you gave me some interesting facts, actually, about um, Marvel's Avengers and Outriders and how they've been doing on their um, sort of early releases and a and, uh, number of people playing and things like that. And one of the first things that struck me about Outriders, which is very different to what happened with Marvel, was um, off the back of the demo for Outriders, uh, you sort of get to a point where you can't proceed any further and you need to wait for the full game in order to go and go through a gate and sort of go to the frontier and carry on. Yeah. So one of the first things obviously I did was go through that gate, play some more of that game, and immediately you're in new locations, you're fighting new enemies, um, you're revealing more of the world, there's like story and it, there's more intrigue and you start to immediately understand, oh, okay, this game is going to be what I'm... At this point, I'll say it's what I'm hoping it's going to be, where we see a whole very varied list of locations and enemies and, you know, th- um, things we need to do in order to progress as an outrider and to re- reveal more of that world and to go further. Yeah. And complete opposite to Marvel's Avengers, which when that game actually got released after we'd played like a month of the demo, it felt barely any different. There was no extra enemies. We'd already met all the um, the bosses that you've met uh, in, in the demo. True. You meet the only two bosses in the whole game, and there there was I think the only one added in is like Brainiac um, to the final game, and it's in stark contrast. And so, and the gunplay feels brilliant. Everything still feels really good. I've only played it solo so far. Like I mm-hmm. haven't actually teamed up with anyone, um, only for like a couple of hours. But that skill. And gunplay combination, you know, with your powers and, and the class types, still feels really good. And yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting my teeth into it and sort of uh, Me too, getting man. to grips with it. Yeah, I like I genuinely been surprised at how jealous I am of people who are playing this game. As someone who has had this game on my radar for a significant amount of time now, yeah. it just feels like you're. It sounds pessimistic to say you're waiting for games like this to drop the ball, but there is a kind of feeling around sometimes AAA games, especially in the genre, when they're kind of flirting with loot systems. And I know that Outriders isn't a live service game, but you're almost waiting for the drama. You're waiting for something disastrous to happen. And maybe that's just the way we've been sort of like made to feel about games in the last six months where so much shit has gone wrong. 
And it's just nice that Outriders has come out and it's selling well out the gate and it's on Game Pass for people who want to just jump in straight away and play it on an Xbox. And everyone else seems to be having a good time. Word of mouth is encouraging. And it just looks like it's going to be a solid game, which, especially for people with next-gen consoles that feel like things were running a bit dry, it's kind of what we wanted, I guess. Yeah, like it, it, it seems like that at the moment. I mean, it, obviously there's um, a lot more to get into and I, it's a weird one because I'm almost, it's one of those where I'm almost tempted to not look at too many reviews and breakdowns because I, I don't necessarily want to, I kind of want to reveal to myself slowly over the course of the game the things I hope are there. And I almost feel like if I have them confirmed for me by watching some coverage, that it might ruin it a bit because the right. enjoyment in some weird way. Um, okay. Because part of the game, like part of the game and being an outrider is almost like discovery, right? You're supposed to be a person who's pushing the boundary and pushing the, the frontier and sort of exploring that planet more. Um, which, is we- which is weird, but you know. No, I, I, I can totally see that. I, I feel like you shouldn't have to defend yourself for wanting to have that natural <laughs> sense of exploration and discovery in a video game of all things, right? Like, I know we live don't, in the age of spoiling everything for yourself on the internet, but you don't have to take part if you don't want to. No, but like, nobody get me wrong. This is not that. It's not like an exploration game where you're no, sort of um, exploring sure. hunting. It's a very much a Gears of War style. You walk into an area, there is loads of cover and you know, oh, a whole bunch of enemies are going to pop out. But the gunplay is solid. The skills are solid. The powers are solid. Like everything feels very cool. It's a very, very familiar um, menu system, loot system. Um, I mean, it's the, the menus. It's, des- it's so Destiny, like we've said before, but yeah. it's kind of funny how how Destiny is. But then, as we've also talked about before, if something works well, like why change it? Why yeah. not stick with it? So, in fact, it was one of the things we said the most about Outriders, possibly sort of in the build up to it, and after we previewed it. Uh, as late as uh, February of last year, as crazy as that is to believe, uh, one of the first ever, or one of the first, in the first bunch at least, of episodes of the Super Show, is that, like, obviously so many of its ideas are borrowed from other games and other series and other genres. Can it carve out its own unique identity in and amongst so many familiar feeling ideas? And I'm not sure the answer quite yet is a resounding yes, but the answer seems to be enough of a yes that people are just kind of going in and having a good time. So, yeah. You know, the only thing I think the only criticism I would have at this point, mm-hmm. if I had one was it, it kind of is, it's very Brown and beige and gray at the moment. Yes. Um, and I think that's probably because of where I'm at in the game. So it's at the moment, it's very, those opening levels of destiny where you had sort of the crash spaceships and the destroyed buildings and you were sort of picking your way through derelict areas. It is very much that at the moment. Um, and it's very Brown, very beige and muddy. And you kind of, it would be nice to see some yeah. vibrancy and some colors, but sure. I think that might come in later on in the game. Um, but then even if that comes in, in the form of environments, I feel like beige and muddy are also two good words to describe that game's story and narrative. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, to be fair, maybe. I don't know. I think that, that everything I saw of that game was just kind of like slightly boring conversations being filmed with some by someone with Parkinson's. And and I was like, I, I don't to know over- what this is all about. <laughs> It's the the opening is like I'm I'm actually glad that the demo got the opening out of the way for me. Like I know how much I griped <laughs> yeah. about it, but actually now getting into it, I'm I'm really happy that I can just jump in and play that game, and I don't have to mess around with that stupid. Do you, know, of- do you, you know what the funny thing is though? You say that, and I completely agree. But I'm gonna play the opening again. 
Are you? Okay. Yeah. And the only reason why is because I just have a weird OCD about stuff like that. About like not remembering what's going on or if I don't know who someone is or why they're doing what they're doing. Even if I don't care about it or don't like it, there's a part of my brain that gets angry when I don't know. And it's actually the reason why I fall off of 90% of the TV shows I've ever fallen off of is I get to the point where I'm on like season 17, episode 8, and I'm like, (laughs) I don't remember that guy's name. I need to go through 17 different Wikipedia articles, finding out exactly who he is, what he did, what he's doing now, why he's doing it. Maybe watch 17 other episodes just to recap and see some, and like I just fall off, unless I watch it all in about three hours. I think I do you know what I may watch the I may watch somebody putting together the intro cutscenes uh just to kind okay. of reacquaint myself with that bit of story but I just remember like playing through it I was kind of like this is messy doesn't really make much sense is very uh abrupt oh, I was watching that stream I don't know if you remember because I was playing it on my PS5 and watching you stream on yours at the right. same time you were complaining from the word go <laughs> you were not happy it was so strange it was the way that they kind of go Oh, you've woken up in a tube. Somebody saved you. Oh, look, now you're running through the through here. People are attacking you. Oh, you've got some powers. Aren't you special? And then you walk into an area and you're shooting someone in the face and acting like a badass. You're like, oh, didn't you wake up yesterday in the fu- in a weird future that was nothing like you expected? And now you're just acting like everything's normal. I think I would take a little bit longer hmm. to adjust. And yet his favourite movie is Demolition Man. Hmm. <laughs> Not sure about that, folks. Might have to... Uh... <laughs> Sound off that is that a great hey. That is a great movie, and it takes him longer to adjust to the future. <laughs> he has to go. He has to go drop a deuce and everything. Yeah, true. Actually, so we're saying all we're saying is that Outriders needs to be patched with one uh, cutscene that can slip into the middle of everything else they've got, where the guy just goes and takes a shit to get yeah. used to things. Exactly. That's exactly what needs to happen. Um, as if to illustrate, Jonesy, how bad I am at uh, sort of being a co-host of a podcast and guiding conversation, do you know what else I've been playing that I wanted to talk about this week? Go on. It Takes Two. What, why is that bad? I was actually well, about to ask like, you. Because I was, I was, I was, I was trying, I was, when you were talking about it, I was re- trying really hard to imply that I had also been playing it so I could just talk about it at the same time and get it over and done with. But now we just have to go back to talk about It Takes Two. No, I, th- I think it, I think that's all good. But um, I, I know, I actually missed it. I wanted to watch it. But now thinking about it, that frustrates me because I can't think of much, many more fun things to do on like a, a Wednesday or a Tuesday, whenever it was, but you streamed it with Steph Murphy, which is, I, I think that would be a lot of fun to see you guys playing that game together. <laughs> it's been fun to play it. Um, now, Steph's class was stuff like that. I remember we did a Portal 2 cop stream back in the day that was a good right. laugh for the exact same reasons. We haven't had any fallings out, though, in It Takes Two, okay. which I think is testament to the the balance of the puzzles and the challenges that you've probably experienced some of already. Like, everything's got this feeling of, we that we had we reached points in Portal Two where we had our hands on our hips and we we're going, we don't know what to do, and right. that hasn't happened in It Takes Two. Everything's got this feeling of you can have a cursory glance at a puzzle or a scenario and just say, do you know what? Let's see if this works. And nine times out of ten, it just does. And then right. all you're relying on is the execution side of things, and we've been okay on that front. So, yeah, played that with Steph on. God, I think we had a I think we had a game on Monday and then a game on. No, it was Sunday, Sunday night and then Tuesday, and uh, Steph has uh, had to uh, play some other hot new releases this week over on twitch.tv forward slash Technoovo. He played um, Outriders today, for example, but I think we're going to get back on it over what is a bank holiday weekend here in England. Um, 
But I'm about five or six hours in, and I think my thoughts echo yours in that okay. I know it's kind of <laughs> on the nose and obvious to say that a game called It Takes Two takes two, but It Takes Two does take two. Um, uh, I tried uh, to guess yeah. at who, uh, which one of you played as the, the man and which one played as the woman. Okay. Which one would you, would you guess? I said that you were playing as the man because your uh, fragile masculinity couldn't take playing as oh, the girl. No, J- um, no uh, I, swear, I am playing as the man. I am playing as the man. But from what I remember, Steph uh, wiggled his analog stick around and landed on whatever he landed on. Um, and he landed on the woman, so I became the man. But it's, um, it's one interesting thing I found was, um, and which is actually really cool, and I could see uh, us playing it through again. Yeah. Because um, if people don't know, you don't when you play it takes two and you select the man or the the, the male or the female character, you actually then uh, you don't then get to decide anything else in the game. Like the the uh, female character gets a hammer in the early game stuff, and the guy gets nails. You then get to the wasp section where the woman gets the bow and arrow, shooting the matches, and the guy gets the honey cannon. Um, yeah, and so I would I could see us playing it through again. And switching characters and trying it from your sure. perspective. Because I actually think it could give you pretty different gameplay in some same, same 100%. situations. I think that's one thing they deserve a lot of credit for in this, is that in theory, based on the sort of style and narrative, this was far less interesting to me than A Way Out was. Their previous right. game, which was about a prison escape, seemed far more up my street. And this was like, okay, there's room for a bit of, sort of soppy sentimentality here, and I don't know how interested I'm going to get behind it. The narrative hasn't been forced on our throats. It's not a soppy affair. It's got far more humour than it has anything depressing, considering that it's fundamentally about a couple going through a divorce. Um, yes. But it's but it's exactly what you said, is that just when you feel like one component of the game, one idea, one level, one environment is getting stale, they switch onto something else, but they've got two takes to every single idea, if that makes sense. There's yeah. never, a, like you said, that you mentioned the um, when you're fighting the wasps inside the tree, where one person has a gun that fires nectar that's flammable and the other person fires matches that ignite that nectar. It could have just been a third-person shooter sequence where it was like, hey, work together to kill these wasps. But they created mechanics that were like, no, here's how even in a third-person shooter level, you kind of have to bounce off one another one person has to push while the other pulls, and vice versa. And it's always about a little bit of giving and taking, um, which you're right, opens it up for replayability. But it also just means that, like, you can't do anything on your own in this game. Um, this it is a really game does that, take two. It, it's a game that, yeah, like, I, it sounds so dumb that we've made that same point like five times, but that's honestly the main takeaway. And I also will say it's the nature of some of the bits that you can do, not even the game or the challenges on the narrative, but some of the side things that are almost like Easter eggs literally had me pissing myself. Um, okay. There's one bit where, uh, I won't spoil too much, but I'll spoil one uh, thing that basically you're going through the girl's bedroom and of course your miniatures and you get to the point where you're doing her homework for her um, <laughs> right. and there's one sequence where you are working to get te- together contra- to control a pencil to do a dot-to-dot drawing. Um, and one of you is controlling whether the pencil moves left or right, and the other's controlling whether the pencil moves up and down. And so you're kind of working together to kind of move this pencil around, doing a dot the dot to dot. Oh, that's cool. And it's just like little things like that. I was honestly pissing myself. And there was an an etcher sketch that worked very similarly. And of course, we tried to make a penis, and it was it looked like I don't know if they have hot cocks and Roblox, but if they did, (laughs) this would look like a hot dick out of Roblox. Uh, Very square. 
I'm saying. Did, did you? I I wondered if um the the book uh was based somewhat on uh, is it Joseph Farris the the uh, founder of Hayes Light. I wonder if there was a little bit of influence. It's definitely got his kind of like exuberance, his natural (laughs) dynamism. Um, And I was sorry, I was going to say there are a lot of like self-references in there because at one point you can find action figures of the two protagonists from a way out and they have buttons that if you slam jump on the buttons, it does voice lines from the game. So, you know, they're willing to make nods. Um, There was one one section early on um, in in the Beehive where... I think it, one of you can get into a uh, like it's like a B termination machine, and yes. one of you can push buttons. And it really reminded me of um, an old school internet thing on like Joe Cartoon, where you could blend the goldfish or like the, oh, the, God, I didn't the, expect the gerbil in the microwave. It was a thing. I don't know if anyone out there, if anyone remembers that, uh, let me know in the comments. But yeah, there used to be. A, it's, it's all animated, so it was all fake. Okay, but there was a fish in a blender, and you would there were numbers like zero to 10 and you could click on the numbers and then it would back in the, you know, this was the, the extent of how advanced the internet was when I was a kid. Um, and you'd click on a number and then it would start to slowly spin the blender and the fish would be going like, is that how you got your pussy? <laughs> and you push that number two and it would go slightly faster. And then it would like, but that the way you could select the different ways to uh, blend your friend or, or, you know, different things you could do to him. And that made me think of that. And I like that sort of weird humor uh, and the stupid stuff you could do to each other. I feel like the more I learn about your childhood and your upbringing, Jonesy, the more I come to understand you as an adult. Joe Cartoon was brilliant. I, lo- I don't even know if it's still going, actually. That much. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I feel like a lot of the websites we remember from from even my youth, which was slightly removed from yours, uh, died a death at some point. But there we go. Yeah. Such is the nature of the internet. Uh, do you know what else hasn't quite died a death? Go on. <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077. Because they keep breathing new life into it, which they did this week with the arrival of the 1.2 patch, the much-anticipated, quote-unquote, February patch that arrived on almost the last day of March um, after the, yeah. the hack. The hack that gave them some slippage in their in their schedule. Yeah. So let's get the, the facts out of the way. I guess a lot of people thought that a fair amount was riding on this patch because, again, when they initially spoke about what their roadmap was for fixing this game, there were the hot fixes, there was the January patch, then there was the February patch. So there was this idea, or this hope at least, that this would be something significant. Uh, to be fair, a lot of things were fixed. You can d- go and take a look at the change log or the patch notes now, and it's hefty. It's a lot to get through. I, I don't know about you, Jonesy, but I gave up maybe like a quarter of the way through on actually reading every change? I did that thing where you read like 10 and then you sort of miss a couple, read some more, miss a couple, read some more, and then just start skimming. <laughs> and then yeah, I was like, mm, totally. yeah, I'm bored now. Totally. Uh, but still, I guess even when you're bored of a of patch notes, you can still be optimistic that the overall feeling of the game, once that patch is hit and has installed, would be better. And I guess from what I can tell, and, you know, we'll, we'll, I, I chime in, by all means, if you've heard anything different. But I feel like the reaction has been mixed so far. Uh, And it kind of depends on what you felt Cyberpunk needed to do to get you playing again. That's going to be the thing that determines how much you care about this patch, right? No, I completely agree. I mean, I think we, um, back in back end of last year, I think we even made the point that if people think that these two Jan- these two patches, the January patch and the February patch, were going to get the game to the point at which people thought it was going to be at upon release, um, there were, we said there was no way that was going to happen. And I think right. we've this has proved proved us right as um, 
as that. Um, they've covered a lot of ground and I think the patches they've done and the things they've implemented are incredibly important. More more important than adding new things to the game. And we were talking about this on WhatsApp in the week, but much more important than adding things to the game or tweaking systems or doing any of that stuff because it's it's fixing the game and making it playable and, and getting it into a state whereby, especially people on um, previous gen consoles can have a better time on it. Mm-hmm. But it, But I'm definitely, I'm in a weird place with this patch because I stopped playing specifically because I'm waiting for a visual upgrade and I've decided like to wait for the next gen upgrade in order to try and get some better of the better visuals out of that. The main reason I did that was because my PC, I don't think is good enough to run it as well as it could. And I'm perfectly happy to wait and see what the PlayStation 5 version looks like. Yeah. Um, don't know when the hell that's going to come out now because of the hack and because of everything being pushed. But, you know, we'll wait and see. What, let me down a bit. And it, no, I shouldn't say let me down because like like we're saying, it's it's very important to do it. But the fact that they're still trying to get rid of bugs, glitches, um, weird things that happen across all sorts of missions, they're, they're dealing with so many specific incidences of problems and bugs Yeah. Um, that the idea that they're ever going to address the main problems with the game just seems like pie in the sky. Like it seems further off than ever, if you like. But then, but then it's interesting the way you phrase that, address the main problems of the game, which suggests that you're inherently acknowledging that the game's main problems as it stands are not things that need fixing. They're things that need outright adding, which is where um, I, this is the conversation I was having with you and Chris a lot in the last week yeah. is one of the ways I've been surprised in the feedback to this patch is that so many people are coming forward and saying, it's great, you're fixing so many bugs, you're fixing so many issues that we've been having since launch, but it's not enough because we've now decided, since we stopped playing the game, that we're going to come back when there's more than there was to the base game and we actually start getting something closely, sorry, that's closer in form to what we were promised through marketing what we were promised in trailers, what we were promised in yeah. the Night City was. And don't get me wrong, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You should absolutely be entitled to play the game one day that you thought you were buying based on what you were sold. Um, I guess I was just a little bit surprised that even there, like the terminology is got like, it, it almost just says that I could, it always feels like I could rewrite what you just said as, it's great they fix so many things, but I'm not playing it till they fix things. No, so no, so I st- I stopped playing it because of the visual side of it. Like I was, I really enjoyed a lot of what I played. This, when I say that, I mean like the story stuff and the the um, uh, a lot of the sort of side character stuff. I thought was brilliant. Like I, yeah. I loved a whole load of the side quests and missions where you're just interacting with people. And I thought the writing was fantastic and the the city was. Um, whilst a lot of people say it's very empty, and I get what they mean, and it's not like exactly a living city. I think it is visually very impressive. And I kind of was like, I think if I finish it now, I'm going to do myself a disservice because I probably won't play it again. Um, Right. So I'll wait. So for me, it was the visuals. But then what's happened is there's a whole bunch of bugs and things that need fixing that I didn't even know needed fixing. And Right, okay, this is what I'm interested in, yes. So with the patches, it's basically said, hey, we fixed these 99,000 bugs and problems the game has. And I was like, interesting. I didn't even know those were problems that the game had. So right. so it's not like... Um, it's it's not like they're fixing things that I think, or that I've bumped into, that I'm like, oh, well, they need to tweak that and they need to fix that. It's more like they just keep telling you more and more things are wrong with it, which is I a weird you. place to be in. I got you. So I'm like, oh, so you're telling me it wasn't as it wasn't as bad as I thought. It was much worse. 
Um, I just got of a horror of like a horrible analogy. I don't even know whether or not to share it. It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's like you've got a new girlfriend and she's really fucking hot, and you're really looking forward to spending more time with her. When all of a sudden you find out that she, actually she's an alcoholic, and uh, you're like, okay, we'll work through this. You check her into rehab. A month later, you get a call from the doctor at the rehab. He's like, I've got great news. We've cured her alcohol dependency. And you're like, fantastic. Great. When's she coming out? And it's like, well, you can come and pick her up anytime. But in the meantime, we're going to start working on her cocaine habit, on her heroin habit, and on her speed habit. But you can actually come and get her whenever you want. But we're just going to keep working on these other things you didn't know were wrong with her. That, do you know what? That's a great analogy. But I would go, I would say it's slightly wrong. I would say the your analogy is great, but it's more like they said, right, you call up and say, how's she doing? And they're like, she's great. You can, or she's better. You can come pick her up whenever you want. And you say, so is the ha- alcoholism cured? And they're like, well, hold on. We've cured the cocaine addiction. We've cured oh. the heroin addiction. And you're like, what? And you're like, so have you worked on the alcoholism yet? And they're like, well, no, no, we've got to cure these things before we even touch the alcoholism. And you're yeah. like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize she had that. And like, also there's a doctor you, coming because she's you got did, chlamydia. Did, in that, she's got In that situation, <laughs> you did kind of know about the alcoholism. In that you didn't put Cyberpunk down whenever you put it down and said, well, it's bug-free, but, you know, oh, I need, no, I need no, some I, improved no, I visuals. I guess, look, I think everyone has a right to state the obvious. Anyone can come back to Cyberpunk or not come back to Cyberpunk whenever they wanted to. And I've got to be fully transparent in that I'm coming from the perspective of someone who is still waiting to play it and is excited yeah. to when the time is right. But it just kind of felt, from the outside looking in, that there was this strange change in narrative that happened in the time in which people should stop playing the game, where it came out, so many people enjoyed so many elements. It was obviously in a horrible state. People put it down. They, what you know, had problems with the bugs. They had problems with the, the glitches and the all these sort of like mission breaking errors and so on and so forth that have now been tended to uh, there or thereabouts. Or we're getting there, and people have turned around and said, "Yeah, sorry, that's great, but uh, when's the car customization coming?" Yes. I, I don't remember yeah. anyone saying that that's why they stopped playing back in November, December, but all of a sudden it is one of the reasons why they're not playing now. I think and I, I almost, no, I almost yeah, worry right. that this game's reputation sort of like morphed and sort of grew in such a horrible way in the months since people stopped playing it that actually the goalposts that people had placed for when they would go back to the game were moving at the same time. Does that make sense? No, it, it totally does. And I, I, for me, it's um, I think No Man's Sky is is a great sort of um, comparison to look at because what No Man's Sky had was um, we won't get into it, but a game <laughs> that made a number of promises, didn't live up to expectations upon release, then addressed nearly all of those uh, issues and and really tried to address them with you know the multiplayer and and how you could match make and blah, blah 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 and a thousand different things and the way you can build bases and, and vehicles and etc but they then just kept adding elements and they kept adding in new things like the vehicles like the mechs like the ability to um you know do a whole range of different things and they effectively have morphed the game into something that it was that it never said it was going to be um it never said that it was a multiplayer uh you know four person co-op mech war- mech suit using like yeah. a mining game but now you can do that it never said that it was going to be like a base building game on a moon where you can build whatever you want and you can but it you can do that and i think for me the problem cyberpunk has is it's still in the No Man's Sky space where they're just trying to get to what they said the game was going to be. And yeah. until they get to that point, then they can't start building on it and they can't start 
adding in the things. So it's, it, so I suppose for me, it's almost like when they start adding in things to the game, like that's like I said, that's not why I stopped playing. For me, it was purely a visual thing. I thought it, I thought it just didn't look right from the PlayStation Four version on the PlayStation. It was 5. It, was, it was grungy, and I, it's yeah. still, I think it's improved, but it's probably still fairly grungy. Yeah, and I, and it wouldn't take masses to make it, but I but I just I'd like a little bit more sparkle and yeah. pizzazz and just to look a bit more look a bit fancier. So that's why I wanted to wait. Um, and any of the bug fixing in the meantime is is fantastic. But I must admit, a part of me was hoping for things like, oh, by the way, now you can change apartments, like little things like that. Yeah, it wouldn't. But make am me I start but am I right it. in saying could I go out there and find an article, a quote, a trailer? a Night City Wire that said, hey, in Cyberpunk, and I, this is a genuine question, I don't know the answer, in Cyberpunk you can buy different apartments and switch between them. Uh, I don't I don't know if you could find an actual quote, but you can definitely find... Because um, I know, they, they I know there's some stuff from a few years ago that they walked back. Like there are things where they said this is coming and then at some point, like a year before release, they were like, that's not a thing anymore. There are so examples that, yeah. of that. They did so. They did that with the car customization. They walked it back, and they ended up saying, rather than customization, they were like, "Oh well, not every car is different. Every car is unique in the game," which was kind of a weird walk back. But they did say you can make yourself whatever you want. You can live. They, they didn't explicitly say you can change apartment, but they said like where you. They did say like where you live, what you drive, right? And so I think if you're going to say that, that makes people think, oh, it's like GTA. I can change where I live. Yeah. I can buy different houses. I can do, blah 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 blah. Um, yeah, interesting. And you can't like you literally stay in the same crappy apartment the whole way through the game, which is odd. Yeah. Even the things in the apartment don't work as they're obviously intended to work. You've got sections of that. Um, like where you've got a clothes rack. And I think, and if you look to the early game stuff, V actually takes things off the rack, puts them on, and there's an animation for it. And you don't have any of that. It's just a menu that you go into. Mm-hmm. You change it and you're suddenly wearing different clothes. Yeah. And um, you can do that from anywhere, right? Which Yeah, yeah, you can do that from I anywhere. I suppose then you get into the Red Dead Redemption alternative, which is that like Red Dead Redemption 2 which was a game that really wanted to, you to be in certain places to do certain things and have animations for everything. And people... Funny enough, people like Chris, in some cases, like got annoyed. Like, oh, just let me change my jacket. And now it feels like there are some people like, wait, hang on a second, what do you mean I don't get a bespoke animation to change into my jacket when I'm exclusively in my apartment next to the wardrobe? I, For me, it's like a, if, it's a difficult one because, yeah, I didn't imagine that Cyberpunk was going to be the game where you were going to wear the the uh, sparkly uh, cut-off V-neck True. with the fluffy pink shorts and the high heels because they gave you the best armour buffs. Like, I'd, And imagine if you had an animation, you went back to your apartment and you put all that gear on and you watched V like, get oh, into the... It would, you'd be like, this isn't what I wanted. True. So maybe they discovered that actually that doesn't work and so that's why it's not in the game. But it was definitely like maybe. alluded to. Oh, also, yeah, um, I remember that demo. I remember that demo. Yeah. So you've also, and, and you can tell as well, for example, the way that um, uh, BDs were supposed to work, like the brain dance things you can wear, and you can buy brain dances in the game yeah. that are supposed to be about different things. It's so obvious that they're supposed to be usable. And you can tell that, like, you're supposed to be able to interact with your apartment and make it a place you want to be in. And, and obviously, for time reasons, a lot of that stuff got cut. And so I suppose... Yeah. I was hoping that before I come back to it, they get to the No Man's Sky thing of going, we've added in 
we've added in new apartments, we've added in car customization, we've added in brain dances, we've added it just so that I could say, oh, wow, when I go back to this game, it's going to be incredible. But it kind of right. feels like at the moment, it's just going to look better. And a lot of bugs I didn't even know existed will have been squashed. Agreed. Agreed. And Which that's kind what of it seems weird. like. The, yeah, it, <coughs> it's kind of weird, but it, I understand the process. I understand the process. And it, and it makes it awkward. We're going to, you know, No Man's Sky, it's funny you bring that game up. That game uh, has just released another expansion. I believe it's called the Expeditions expansion. This followed uh, an expansion they released just like a month and a half ago, the one that let you have pets, which was then right. preceded by the uh, next-gen version that released in November, and before that was the update in September that I remember Steph and I, and I don't know if you... Did you get involved, Jersey, when we randomly started playing No Man's Sky again? Like, I did late for last one year. stream, yeah. Yeah, um, there you I, go. I think, I think we did one, yeah. but um, That was for another... But, but then what I was going to say is that, like, that's four years plus. So yes. when you get into this weird thing of, like, what if Cyberpunk is going to be a game that just kind of almost gets better indefinitely? When do you jump on? I would love it. Like, so I'm, I'm going to, well, assuming the update comes later this year for the next gen, I'll be jumping in this year whenever they do that update, um, no matter what, which is one of the reasons I stopped playing was because what I didn't want to do was fall off. I wanted it almost to be like a fresh experience because um, I've really enjoyed what I played so far. Like, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that weren't right and fell off. And you were like, oh, that's odd. They didn't do that. And I did have a couple of bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple of strange bugs. That I'm sure a lot of people have had, like where things just don't work right. Um, True. But I didn't have anything that would have stopped me playing from that perspective. Um, so, and I was worried that if I kept playing and started to encounter more problems, I may have just fallen off and gone, do you know what? I think I've done with Cyberpunk. Yeah. Which would have been a bummer considering how much you were looking forward to it. And it would be, it would be rough to still be in that headspace should the game get significantly better in the future. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, it really yeah. would. So, but they've done a few more weird things though, haven't they? Cause they've also now canceled or they've said well, that they might not be pursuing a few of the things they said they were going to. Yeah. So a lot of this came out of what seemed to be some kind of like a, a company wide address that is also posted on YouTube. It's not even unlisted. You can go and find it on the, I don't know if it's the CD project red YouTube channel or if it's a CD project, YouTube channel, but it's out there and you can find it. And it's sort of this uh, almost half an hour long state of the company address kind of thing that talks about not so much the aftermath of Cyberpunk 2077, but very clearly falls in line of like, hey, here's what we might be doing in the future to uh, address some of the issues that came about during development of this game. I think the most eye-catching thing to start with is it seems as though CD Projekt Red might be pivoting towards a situation where their development teams can work on two major franchises, for example, The Witcher and Cyberpunk, simultaneously. Which it's kind of like, okay, Cyberpunk 2077 ended up being a hot mess. The solution is to work on the next one and The Witcher 4 at the same time? (laughs) Um, That certainly raised some eyebrows, but it's worth noting that if you dig a little bit deeper and, and keep watching more of that video, they also talk a hell of a lot about, like, working on their engine and like the way their employees and their teams can communicate and the way their tech works so that as much as possible is shared between the two games. And they even picked out an example of, I think it was like like NPC pathing and stuff like that, that that's the something that is as, as, as black and white as, Hey, you take out the way the NPCs work in the Witcher four and you can drop it into whatever the cyberpunk team are doing with obviously improvements right. being made along the way, which it sounds like they're trying to get more efficient, which makes perfect sense, but at the same time, get more efficient by doing things simultaneously, which 
I don't know, does maybe smaller teams helps? What do you think? It's hard to say, right? Yeah, I mean, it does sound strange, but at the same time, I guess... I guess if there's crossover, then it makes sense if you if you can work on a new um, a new game and that can be grafted onto one that you already got. I mean, it makes sense. It does sound kind mm-hmm. of odd though, because I'd imagine. I mean, I'd imagine it's better just have one team focused on something. But but then at the same time, I don't like it when they sort of say, "Oh, when when a when a, um, a studio says, oh, we're making this game. Uh, oh, we've actually pulled everyone off of that game now, and they're all working on another game.'" And you think, "Oh." That that's not great. That doesn't sound good. So maybe right. this kind of working on two things at the same time is better. It's better than them saying, "Do you know what? We're pulling most people off Cyberpunk." There's one ma- there's one dude working on it. And yeah. Now, um, well, like, like, which is ironically what Anthem ended up to, in the situation Anthem ended up being in, right? Which was like the skeleton crew of like fucking ten people in the back office at Bioware were sort of like <laughs> working on Anthem, literally seeming like they were trying to do as much work as they could to pitch to EA for the opportunity to build up that team again and start working on it. And in, in EA said no. So I guess th- that yeah. situation is is sidestepped with this move. Um, There's a weirdly horrible thing as well with Cyberpunk in that if, if they, they've got to know where financially whereabouts they're at by now. Like they, they yes, probably agreed. know uh, who's, who's going to return the game, who's not, how much money they made on that release, how much money they potentially could lose through spending more time and resource on that game mm-hmm. and the one of the horrible ideas in my head is if they get to the point where they're like do you know what that it's not financially viable or cost effective or whatever to carry on working on that game past the end of 2021 so we do whatever we can do by the end of 2021 we get the next gen versions out and then we effectively draw a line under it and we don't support it anymore and we switch everyone over to witcher 4 which i like i said i would much rather they go the no man's sky route um, and yes, they keep of working on it for four years. I, but I might be, I might be being naive here, and maybe let me know in the comments down below if you think this is like, unduly optimistic. But I can kind of see CD Projekt Red of all people sticking with it. Uh, and one of the examples I'll give as the reason why there's no suge- there's no immediate reason to suggest that Cyberpunk support uh, will be stopped is that when they outlined their roadmap for Cyberpunk in 2021 which remains what we basically knew, hey, next-gen version by the end of the year, free DLCs at some point, and so on and so forth. They also outlined their plans for The Witcher 3 in 2021, which also includes a next-gen patch. You know, that's a that's a game right. that's over six years old now, and they're still saying, hey, let's make it relevant to the next generation of consoles, now the current generation of consoles. Now, of course, The Witcher 3, massively more popular, with yeah. fans especially, uh, than Cyberpunk 2077, because people just kept playing it. But if they can support The Witcher for six years, they can support Cyberpunk for more than one, right? The Yeah, the only pessimistic side of me that doesn't like that is that the fixes that The Witcher got were not the type of fixes I want to see implemented into Cyberpunk. Um, like we, uh, like we've talked specifically about some of the issues I had with Witcher before and that I had a couple of game-breaking bugs during my playthrough and that literally stopped me playing for months at a time. When I came back, they'd effectively brute-forced the 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 things that were messing up the game. And and I can see why they did it, but it was it just felt kind of messy. And then when they talked about this patch um, with the police where they've said, oh, we've expanded the circle so that the police spawn slightly further away and they take a little bit longer, again, it's kind of like... So you haven't fixed the system. You've just kind of, um, 
you've worked around it, which is fine. Like it's fine if it if works around it and it feels good. Then I'm then I'm totally fine with that. But yeah. a couple of people have come out and said it doesn't quite feel good. It it still feels a bit off, a little bit janky the way that they've implemented it. And maybe that's just one. Maybe that's one um, one small issue, and, and that actually they will do a better job of sorting out some of the stuff in future. Maybe. Um, like the rock in the car thing. Like, okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, the in, in in Cyberpunk, you get to the, if your car gets stuck getting on and off a bridge. You can, na- you can now out. rock it back and forth and. That's so shit. Why? Like, who wants to, because if I was playing Grand Theft Auto and there was a part where my car grounded out and I couldn't move and I had to dump my car, I'd be like, well, that you pick, sucks. You picked a bad example because of Grand Theft Auto, you can definitely wiggle your cars. <laughs> they got to a point in GTA, didn't they, where you can actually roll back onto your wheels from your roof if you <laughs> oh, rock right, back okay. and forth enough. But like that, I don't know, that to me, it's like I don't want to be in a position where my car can get grounded out on a bit of road. Can't you fix the road? Like, But, so, but then are we almost getting to a point there where we're talking about not wanting to concede realism at the expense of convenience i don't know if i've said those words two words the right way around but no, it almost it, realism, almost, ta- it should... almost takes me back to the wardrobe would cyberpunk be better if you had to go back to your apartment to change clothes oh i see what you mean um and then yeah, and then conversely no, would cyberpunk wouldn't. be better because it's more realistic now that if you beat your car it's you actually have to abandon it no no so, like, i'm fine with the rob maybe i'm just misunderstanding the patch but or, or what people were saying about the grounding it sounded like what they said was there were parts of just the road where the car could ground well like it's because the example they use in the video that i saw is on the highway because obviously there are barriers between the lanes and like those are solid oh, concrete barriers but if you like did something weird you could end up like perfectly with the barrier in the middle of the car and then so you, you can't you can't shift your weight from one to the other and kind of like wiggle your way off it I know. Okay, yeah, sure. I suppose. I suppose if you couldn't wiggle, if you, I suppose wiggling it is better than losing the vehicle. I guess. But it was just. I don't know. Some things that I just feel, they add in like that that I'm like, like the driving where they said there's a slider to fix the driving, and like, but surely if you fix the driving so it feels better, you don't need a slider. Just fix well, it. Again, so my understanding of the slider is the slider is specifically an a slider for steering sensitivity, and their recommendations are. Don't touch it if you play on controller, but fiddle with it if you play on a mouse and keyboard, especially with either unusually high or unusually low frame rates, right. in which case you might experience something better. Because I'd, I don't I'd know, say I don't the know. driving, I'd say the driving just needs to be fixed. Like the driving and the, the have they fixed the map yet? Is that in the patch notes? No, is the map the, still the, super zoomed in. The map is still super zoomed in, is what my understanding, because that's one of the <laughs> things you hear the most about in the subreddit, which I do still check out every now and then. Um, if, if if people yeah. haven't played it, that map you're literally booking it down a road. You get to you. I've got to make this turn, and then the the turn is on the map. Like there it is, and you've got to pull a ninety degree turn, and you overshoot constantly because you just That's, don't expect it. But you ha- you don't want to backseat game develop in situations like this. But surely that can't be that fucking hard. Like right, like what's surely going not. on there? I, I don't know. It's bizarre that you'd, you'd think they could literally just toggle. They type a number into the uh, into the back end where they go make map twenty percent zoomed in as opposed to fifty, and then it's fixed. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe I'm wrong, but interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I'm one. going to, and it sounds like you will as well. Obviously, keep tabs on things like the next gen version, but also just patch one point three or whatever they call it, and just that ratio between fundamental bug fixes, you know, 
uh, glitches that stop mission progress and so on and so forth. And the ratio, the ratio between that stuff and actual improvements, quality of life improvements, additions, maybe promised or cut features slowly, slowly starting to drip feed their way back in. There was a weird story that almost emerged this week where someone seemed to be able to get access to the Epic Game Store backend and find a number of expansions, like DLC essentially, for Cyberpunk 2077 that were being listed as free. Um, right. And uh, again, if the leak was legit and you buy into the names uh, of the expansions or the DLC, whatever they end up being, it looked like things like, um, obviously like character customization, some kind of like character body modification, car customization, something to do with the Ripper docks. Like these kind of things were being added into the game or back into the game at some point. So... It could be a cool six months. Maybe we don't. Maybe that's. Maybe some people are going to criticize me for saying that because we should be shunning this game at all corners. Like at this point, I don't. I don't I'm. Know. See, I'm not like. I don't get that. People. People think. You, if people think you should be shunning cyberpunk, then I think. I think maybe they need to try playing some cyberpunk because it's a weird game. At its core, it is very good, and and I stand by my my assessment that what I have played is very, very good on, on one level, at least, which is story, character. Like, some of those some of those side quests, even, in that game are so memorable that I still, like, that's incredible. And some are, like, the way that, you know, the feel you get for the characters and you feel you get for the environment. It's just very, very unfinished. It's an unfinished game, which is the issue. It's like it's like you literally are playing a game that needed another two years to, fit, to finish, um, which is a strange position to be in. But to say it's, like, a bad game, I don't think... I don't think it's fair because a bad game is a finished game that wasn't made very well. This feels like an this feels like an unfinished game, which is I think is a fundamentally yeah. different thing. Um, but it, I will say uh, about those expand. Sorry, go on. Excuse I used to give all the time when I did bad homework or tests at school. It's, like, <laughs> it's not a bad test; it's an unfinished one. It's an unfinished one. That's I haven't great. got it wrong. I haven't answered it yet. I like it, but it's I. Do you know what I would I would actually quite like to see is if they start to drop patches and bug fixes um almost in tandem with i mean if they if that epic leak was a real thing if they start to drop like oh here's a way you can customize cars here's another set of bug fixes so three months later here's another expansion where you can sort of customize your look yeah um here's some more bug fixes i don't think it has to be one or the other i think it could be like a co thing I agree i think they're probably just protecting themselves from the backlash they get from the person that says um I'm sorry, I still can't proceed on this quest, but you've just added in the ability to embroider a leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which would seem completely pointless. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. One thing, though, that it seems like we're probably not going to see anytime soon, at least, is any kind of multiplayer component to Cyberpunk 2077, right. which was something of a mystery, something they had sort of announced in the run-up to their game's release, uh, 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 but no one ever really knew what form it would take and when it would come out. It was always planned as a separate thing, but obviously, I guess now the environment is a little bit different to what it was prior to release in terms of like how many people can you spare to work on it and how many people would even be excited for that kind of a prospect and, and can they even pull it off, technologically speaking, which might sound harsh to say, but I don't think it's an unfair question. That seems like it might be on the back burner if not gone altogether, which is probably wise for the time being, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Like multiplayer just adds a whole other element of something I don't think they really want to get into. It's gonna it's gonna have a whole host of issues in it, in itself if they're gonna try and, you know, graph something so complicated onto another onto something like so I don't know, it just seems like a bad idea. Um Yeah. 
bring it in down the line if if you really want to. Fair enough. I must admit, maybe that's unfair for me to say for people that were looking forward to that. But when they said they were doing multiplayer in Cyberpunk, I was like, why? It, you know, <laughs> sure, it's sure. it's a game that does not need it. I mean, you're just trying to latch onto a you know a, yeah. something at the moment which is pretty hot. But I, I guess it's another No Man's Sky situation, which is it. De- it depends how line the long is. If that makes right. how long the line is when it comes to how far down the line it's appropriate. If it's a six year line, then <laughs> hey, yeah, like great, do something, have a go, see what happens. But in the meantime, you're right. Um, one t- company though, a major company to be fair, who are familiar with how difficult multiplayer can be and how difficult it can be to integrate elements from one game into another, especially if uh, things are a bit rough around the edges, is Activision, um, who. Uh, usually uh, come out fairly unscathed in their annual experiences with the massive Call of Duty franchise. But one thing that's slightly different about Call of Duty nowadays is that they have one of the biggest free-to-play Battle Royale games on the market in the form of Call of Duty Warzone uh, under their label. Uh, And Warzone has been making a few waves, making headlines again in the past week because, Jonesy, after over a year on the market and tens of millions of players later, it seems like it's time for a new map, which was something we kind of we knew was coming eventually. About right? time. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know if it was just the fact that Apex and Fortnite and PUBG and every other Battle Royale game under the sun has also got other maps by now, but it about time feels like a good way of summing up how I and others clearly felt about uh, Warzone and Verdansk, which is the name of the map that has been in the game since launch. With the exception, was the mini-map called the smaller one? Uh, Rebirth Island. Rebirth Island, which was a smaller map that was was added in for like separate modes for a smaller player count. So never meant to be the big deal. Uh, The big deal is now coming, though. So basically, for anyone that hasn't been following, Warzone has been leading sort of a narrative breadcrumb trail in-game for the past couple of months, more or less. Um, Everything kind of started around November when Black Ops Cold War, the latest Call of Duty game, came out. They integrated Black Ops Cold War stuff into Warzone. For example, most of the weapons and operators as characters from the game made their way into Warzone. At that time, though, there was no real change in the map or the narrative uh, for reasons we now know that things weren't really going too well and everything kind of got delayed. Recently, things started happening. A ship showed up. Zombies started invading parts of the map. There were lots of references to nuclear catastrophes, and that's because at some point soon, probably the 22nd of April, April, uh, for those uh, uh, who wanted to mark their calendars, Verdansk is going to probably get blown up. The question was, Jonesy, what do they replace it with? Was it going to be some new map? We heard rumors of a new map set place in the Ural Mountains. Maybe there'd be a jungle theme because that's what Black Ops Cold War Season 2 seemed to be. But do you know what it looks like it's going to be? Um, uh, yeah, something something new, fa- newfangled, well, something exciting, completely uh, different. What if I were to tell you that the new map that's replacing Verdansk is Verdansk, but in the 80s? There you go. So it's, right. it's, new, it's an old new map. Yeah, so look, for basically what's happened is a, a commercial, an unfinished commercial that clearly was not ready, nearly even close to being ready for broadcast, leaked in this past week. We know it's legit because it's got rappers in it, like young thugs in it, and uh, it seemed to show snippets of footage uh, of the Verdansk map of Warzone having like this time reverse effect going on it and various points of interest that were very recognisable sort of reverted to an old, ye olde time state. Um, 
And people were like, what is this? And of course, lots of major outlets who had been biting their uh, tongues up to this point came out and were like, yes, for anyone wondering, this is what the new map is. Uh, so we've seen, for example, uh, Stadium uh, is is now a sort of being stadium that's being built. There's a big crane in the middle of it. Dam is no longer a dam. It's just a giant bridge that kind of looks like an aqueduct. Um, there are probably going to be, in fact, there are definitely going to be new points of interest. You can imagine certain areas of the map, because it's going back in time, uh, 30, 40 odd years, uh, they're going to be parts of the map that just haven't been built yet. And so they can be essentially replaced like entirely with an entirely new area, an entirely new build. Um, but still, there are some people who are kind of disappointed that this isn't a completely new thing. Um, as a fairly frequent Warzone player yourself, though, Jonesy. How do you feel about the prospect of an 80s Verdansk being the map you waited uh, around 13 months for? I'm kind of torn because uh, on one hand, I can see why people would, would wholeheartedly want to see a new map. Um, but at the same time, like, I think once you kind of, if you build up an affinity with a, with a map in a game and then they, especially if they get rid of it and they bring in a whole new one, um, I think that probably annoys a lot of people as well as, you know, it makes a lot of people happy. The idea of fundamentally changing it by going back into the 80s and, you know, saying, oh, this didn't exist yet. We're going to rebuild this. This is going to be completely different. I quite like it. Um, it's a little bit of a cop out because right. they've they've actually tweaked the map quite a few times with uh, already with the with Verdansk. So mm-hmm. it doesn't it feels less like a new map, even maybe than it would had they not done all the little changes that they've done up to this point. Um, it does feel more and more like they're just tweaking things. But I don't know, it could be completely different. I've gone really blue, so look, I'm going to yeah. do this. dabba dee dabba die. Yeah. There's Jonesy's weekly reminder that, yes, he does own a PlayStation 5 controller, and yes, you should working. be jealous. Wow, that's, it's usually pretty instant, finding the white balance. It thought about it for a second there. Did. I'm still really blue. Wow, this is uh, side of it. This is not looking good, folks. Uh, I hope for your sake that you're watching the video version of this and not trying to figure out what this looks like from an audio perspective. Oh. But I, even if you are, I promise it's, it's not actually that interesting. I might just go with it and then tweak it in the post. That'll probably be easier. Okay. Um, you look like you're in a David Lynch movie. It's great. <laughs> I do. Let's just roll with that. it. Um, no, I don't, I, I'm, I'm actually quite keen to see what that 80s Verdansk would be like, especially because you say like the dam's not built yet, so then it obviously opens up the idea that, well, then you've got the way the water flows and where the rivers are and everything's going to be different, and the fact that the stadium's not going to be built. Some of those um, taller buildings and skyscrapers probably don't even exist. Um, right. It adds, it, you know, you could move the fair area and it could be somewhere else maybe or just not be there altogether, you know, with the, the wheel and everything. Um but yeah, part of me does think like it would have been nice to see something completely different. But yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you in in terms of being torn on this because on the one hand, like yes, it's undeniably cool the prospect of seeing a map that you're so familiar with transformed to something from a different era and seeing those points of interest that you're so familiar with looking different. But on the other hand, this is the conversation I was having earlier when we were kind of uh, talking about this before we started recording uh, part one of this podcast um, was that like. You look at the paths that other Battle Royale games have set out, like Apex Legends, like Fortnite, and it's clear that there are kind of like two distinct ways of handling maps. There's Levolution, or whatever you want to call it, and there's a new map. 
So yeah. you want to look at it, like Fortnite is something that very often between seasons will tweak elements of certain places or points of interest. Will like maybe swap them out for something else or change some part of them. Apex, I remember, did something uh, with that first initial map where all of a sudden dinosaurs were there and that there were the huge these huge Diplodocus looking things and there were these big craters and various other bits and pieces. And as you pointed out yourself, Verdansk has done that. Verdansk added uh, an overground train. It added an underground metro system. It opened up stadium. Uh, admittedly, a lot of the things it did were kind of dumb and no one ever really used them um, other than when they kind of had to, but it still did them. I suppose the issue with this is it walks a very fine line between Levolution and an entirely new map. Like, And, and it feels kind of like like... It feels like they can't get away with calling this a new map. It's just the new Verdansk. Am I still right. going to be... like Fundamentally, I could say to you now, and I could say to you in two months' time, hey, we're going to land at Stadium, we're going to circle around downtown, and then we're going to you know, move into Hospital. And like, yes, of those three places that I just mentioned, Hospital, I don't know that Hospital is still Hospital. Hospital could be something else completely different, but the layout will still be the same. The right. map, the the whereabouts of the map we're landing on will still be the same. Like the the to, like the topography. I don't know if that's the right word of the ground. Like the way that like where there are hills and where there right, are mountains. Yeah. Like a lot of that stuff fundamentally probably has to be the same. Because again, mountains don't grow in forty years. Um, I remember that much from geography. <laughs> I think I think that kind of shit takes a long time. Tectonic plates. Uh, go and watch San Andreas, Stone the Rock. It will teach you all you need to know. Um, so I'm I'm not sure. I've been left a little bit. I'm not going to say I'm brokenhearted, but like I stopped playing this game like three weeks ago, and a bunch of my mates did as well. And there was a lot of pressure riding on this as the thing that kind of got us back in. And now I'm a little bit more skeptical as to how successful it could be. That's what I say. One strange element. I get why they want to go to the 80s because of Cold War, but actually, if they'd have gone 40 years into the future, it probably would have been a much more interesting maybe time skip because you could have had you know you could have done a, a lot more with that map but i guess it doesn't really fit with where call of duty's at at the moment but, but then it, it doesn't fit at all because it all got so delayed like if this thing had happened right. in november everyone would have been like yeah this cool this makes yeah. perfect sense and ironically november i know it was only about five months ago six months ago but that was just before people felt like they were starting to get a bit bored of Verdansk. The timing actually would have been perfect but yeah. so many parts of the black ops cold war integration have been botched um, and everything just feel everything about Warzone right now feels a little bit dodgy, and I don't know why. Whether it's the like the rate at which guns are broken, the way the meta changes, and what the meta is at at the moment, and has been for the last month or so, the fact that things like the stim glitch find their way back into that game at every update. I'm not trying not to be too niche here for people that don't and never have played it, but it, I'm it's the closest I've ever come to finding my one of those. And yet I find myself consistently pissed off by it, which I'm sure is part of the natural love-hate relationship that everyone feels with free-to-play games. I'm sure if Chris were here, he'd mention how going through similar things with Dota, but it's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's it's funny because um, I think we had a conversation uh, last year, like earlier last year, when we were talking about how, you know, how do they integrate the new Call of Duty game with Warzone and how does that whole thing work? And is it possible? And are they going to have two side-by-side games which they're both trying to support and you know is the audience going to play the new Call of Duty game are they going to just keep playing Warzone because it's free to play and I think one of the questions 
we had, you know, was well, around the integration has kind of been answered was that they don't know how they're going to do it either. Um, yeah. And they're, they're going to try a whole bunch of shit and some yep. of it's not going to work. To the point where uh, Eurogamer have been also doing some Call of Duty headlines this past week. Eurogamer, for anyone that doesn't know, usually very good when it comes to Call of Duty stuff specifically. I think they released a, a factoid this week that, like, they are... It's something like they're five out of five or six out of six when it comes to leaking or discussing what the new Call of Duty will be before it's announced, like every one of the last five or six years. Um, they are saying that this year's title, the working title apparently, is Call of Duty Vanguard. There's a possibility that it remains called that or its name might change. And it's looking like it's going to be a World War II title, uh, apparently a traditional World War II title as well, not some alternate future World War II title as was briefly rumoured. But if you believe their reporting, they're also saying that at the moment Activision don't know what to do when it comes to Warzone integration for a World War II game. And apparently at the moment, the leading opinion within Activision is not to make an all-out World War II Verdansk map and instead to make a smaller Rebirth Island-style World War II map and not even to do a fallen integration, but to try and do a little bit more of this kind of like teasing effect where... Uh, for example, World War II weapons might be added to Call of Duty Warzone, but they wouldn't be unlocked by default like they were at Black Ops. You might have right. to do a specific task to unlock them that might be very difficult to do in Warzone because it might be like get five kills in quick succession while sliding, which is a, a technique they've done before, uh, for anyone wondering, in which case like it's heavily implied like, hey, if you want this gun in Warzone, <laughs> The easiest way to go about it might be to either buy these buy the new World War Two game or buy a pack from the store. Um, and then you have people actively deciding to switch the M1 Garand from like a fully auto I mean, totally. assault rifle. Totally, like, who's going to do that? That is kind of that is kind of happening at the moment. Like there are two MP5s and two AK47s in yeah. in Warzone at the moment. One theoretically like. The, but like the Black Ops Cold War MP5 is in theory forty years older than the Modern Warfare one, but it's better in Warzone. That's so, ridiculous, isn't it? I don't know. Everything about Warzone's a little bit strange, but yes, it seems as though 80s Verdansk is the new map. That date again, 22nd of April, probably looking like when Season 2 ends, the map gets blown up and Season 3 begins with 80s Verdansk, and Call of Duty Vanguard is the title to look out for this Christmas as Call of Duty via Sledgehammer Games returns to uh, World War Two. Um, I will say one one thing they they are doing right in, which is, I mean, I'm not going to say they copied Fortnite, but the idea that they're going to blow up that map and there's a date that you can go and like you can see it and it's going to be a big thing and yeah, like that is a that is something that's you know, but that then Fortnite at the same did, time did it very very well and it's not a bad idea to copy. Agreed, but Fortnite has done so many cool things, whether people yeah. want to admit it or not, so many cool things and it's done them all so well and it got to the point this season where not even like a new map, just the new season was launched with like a full-on cutscene and a weird like single-player component with a character voiced by Troy Baker and they've got so many cool tie-in characters at the moment where like Kratos is in there and the Master Chief is in there and, and Ryu is in there from Street Fighter and fucking... Lara Croft is in there now and it's like you and the the Mandalorian and it's like that looks like a game that like I want Warzone to learn more lessons from and what's Warzone doing it's like well <laughs> what if there were zombies and it's like with Call of Duty has been asking the question what if there are zombies every year for the past 17 years like we we know the answer to the question of what if there were zombies it just means you shoot zombies 
And you now do. it's like, well, what if zombies were the reason we blew up the map? Okay, it's like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll let you. We'll let it slip. We'll let you have zombies. There's one fucking time called GT. Blow up the map. Do your nuke shit. What are you replacing the map with? Well, what if we replace it with the same map, but older? <laughs> but older. Before it was blown up. I can. To- oh, I can totally okay. see why someone might have a negative reaction to everything. It's like it's it's so fun at its best. And it feels like they're actively doing everything, not just in the way they're handling big updates and big changes and how far and obviously they're lagging behind games like Fortnite in terms of their production values and their ability and their willingness to surprise and reward players, but also just the moment-to-moment, week-to-week changes. The stim glitch returned to the game for like the fourth time this week. It's just not right. It's a funny thing as well, because with the, the idea to go it's to 1980s right. Verdansk is almost like, what does an Eastern European city look like in 1980s versus today? It's like, mm, probably pretty similar. But if you said, yeah. what, does an, what does an Eastern European city look like in 1939 versus today? I'd say, oh, okay, that's an interesting idea if you're going to do a World War II map. But they've kind of ruined it by saying, well, we've done the 80s thing, so we're not going to do the, the Second World War map thing which actually probably would have been a more interesting thing for them to do. But but hey, we'll have to wait and see for uh, Vanguard and see what they actually decide to do and how that all works out. Yeah, true. It's going to be an interesting couple of years. And, and do you know what I think, personally? Go on. Uh, you ready for your tinfoil hat, Jonesy? <laughs> yeah, this I'm is ready. J- this is Jamie's first-person shooter conspiracy theory hour. I think that Activision are looking at the deck they've got they're looking at Warzone and where it's at, how successful the Black Ops Cold War integration was. They're looking at the fact that this year's game is coming via Sledgehammer Games. It's, it's set in World War II. They're looking at how the previous World War II game was received and performed. They have lowered, like we know publicly, that they have lowered their sales forecast for this year's game compared to Black Ops Cold War, despite the fact that in theory like there will be like more PS5s and Series Xs on, in people's homes and so on and so forth. They've lowered their sales forecast. I think that Call of Duty know that the next 12 months or so, maybe the next 12 to 18 months, are kind of just a, hey, let's get through this period thing. Because the new Battlefield is going to come out this year. Whether or not the the EA and DICE are are able to deliver on everything that people will be hoping for, I don't know. But I know for a fact that this year's Battlefield will try to be a big deal, both in terms of the scale and the scope of what it's doing as a game, and I'd imagine also in terms of how EA push and promote it. Everything I've heard about Battlefield is mega behind the scenes. But the other thing that Call of Duty are sitting on is that 2022 will be Infinity Ward's time to return to the fold, and they will bring with them Modern Warfare 2. And Modern Warfare was one of the most successful and celebrated Call of Duty games in recent memory, and it will also be a far more obvious way to usher in whatever version 2.0 of Warzone looks like. So I wonder if Activision are looking at the next two years as like, hey, we can sit back, we can let EA kind of take the field and take the stage this Christmas because we know we can deliver our sort of our counterpunch next year with Modern Warfare 2. Which Modern Warfare 2 will be like a, a, a phenomenon in terms of sales at this stage, you'd have to imagine. Well, that, that's one of the things that seems odd to me because I think that is a foregone conclusion. We can pretty much say but like it's still recent enough from Modern Warfare and how good that game was and how well-received it was and everything that they can really make that an epic thing. But then in my mind, it's like, why not just completely cut ties between Warzone and Modern Warfare? 
um, or sorry, Modern Warfare 2, and effectively then have them two operating where they don't have to overlap. You don't have to have the things from the Call of Duty main series show up in Warzone. You can actually operate those two things independently and you can run one as a free-to-play um, mm-hmm. military game, have all of the story that goes with that, that still operates in the same universe, but effectively doesn't have to be influenced by the other. Like, that seems... I, 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 I think like a- I think that is the most logical way of going about it, but I think that Call of Duty have already fucked it up. I think because- that I think that Activision were too adamant on I think were too worried that letting Warzone be its own independent entity would minimize their ability to capitalize on the player base of Warzone to sell copies of their premium product. Right. I think fundamentally that's what Activision wanted to do. They would far rather Warzone exists as a thing to act as a catalyst for people to continue buying the full price Call of Duty every year than just be a monolith in its own right. That's Which what is I so personally odd believe. Because like people buy people will buy the the they will buy the Call of Duty game every year. Like Yeah, but you do you know what happened with Black Ops Cold War? More people bought it than anyone ever thought they would. And it wasn't even well received. Like it's now like people are already looking back on it and were like, man, that wasn't a good Call of Duty game. But it sold right. like crazy. Yeah, I think that was, in my mind, that was because so many people were still playing Warzone that they almost did it out of reflex. It, was, it wasn't it was really thought of. It was just like, well, yeah, you're going to buy it because you're playing Warzone. Yeah. But if they separate the two things, admittedly, you won't get that, you know, flow from one to the other, but you can then have a game where you can sell, you know, like people pay the pay for the battle pass every time it comes out. They they put money into it. They buy, they buy skins, they buy guns, but then they still go and buy the brand new Call of Duty game. Yeah. Maybe, but I, I, I kind of think that Activision have already sort of tied themselves to the mask on that front. Like, you've got to bear in yeah, mind... No, I think you might be that, right, yeah. Like, Warzone rolled back to Season 1 when Black Ops Cold War came out. Like, they're already acknowledging that their premium year annual release determines what the what the state of Warzone is. And we already know that the only reason this 80s Verdance map didn't come out around closer to launch was because it was delayed. The original yeah. plan was to say, hey... Black Ops Cold War is out. Here's the new 80s Verdansk map, and we're starting everything from Season 1 again. They do the thing where the Battle Pass is integrated, so Battle Pass progression is shared across everything, but they also very cleverly do the thing that despite the fact that Modern Warfare still exists and that Warzone still exists and runs on the Modern Warfare engine, the weapons and blueprints you're awarded uh, from the Battle Pass that you can level up in Warzone are only applicable to Black Ops Cold War. If anyone decides that, like, hey, I want to run around in a team deathmatch with my FFAR to level it up, they have to do that in Black Ops Cold War. I think that's the the way that Activision have, so far at least, shown they want to use Warzone, whether that's the right move or not. I don't know. I think we should take a moment right now to just remember the piece of crap that they released before Warzone came out. I can't Blackout. remember what it's called. Blackout? What a trash piece of hey, rubbish you know that what? was. Um... I think, Jonesy, one of the uh, themes that we're going to be seeing a lot over the next year or two is that certain FPS series, in some cases, had to walk before they could run when it came to their attempts to create Battle Royale offerings around their core gameplay fundamentals. And I think another big EA-owned FPS franchise may well be testing that theory in the next 12 to 18 months as well. (laughs) You didn't hear it from me, though. Well, but hey, I, Firestorm was kind of shit. So, <laughs> yeah, to be fair, it was it wasn't great. So, who, maybe they, who who could blame them for wanting another crack of that whip? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, should we move on to our, our final little story of 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 this evening? Yeah, man. I already see. said of the day, but it's actually a different day 
to when we started <laughs> recording all of this. Um, longest podcast ever. I know. There's a, this is the first ever podcast, folks, that's been recorded across two whole days. Uh, so it's definitely seen... not. We've definitely done this before. And yeah, we've absolutely done this before. But I like, you know, help me sell fun, the illusion here, Genji. Exactly. Sorry, it makes us look cool and gives us an excuse for our dreary, tired attitudes as the <laughs> podcast rolls on. Anyway, the last little thing we were going to talk about was actually, ironically, a story that started developing in the gap between the two segments of this podcast after we lost Chris to technical difficulties, but before we returned to the fold uh, this evening. And that's the initial, at least, reports out of VGC, Video Games Chronicle, that E3's digital event could have elements of it that are hidden behind paywalls. Um, now, before anyone... Uh, goes mental. Large parts of this have have already been sort of debunked or walked back or whatever your words you want to use. But the initial report, um, as I said, out of VGC was that the ESA, the company behind E3, were looking to mix things up this year. Some of which we already knew. Um, uh, for example, that they were going to do predominantly a digital-led event because, of course, physical events that would be taking place in around two months' time in Los Angeles, kind of. Look at, still look a little bit crazy at the moment, even as the vaccine effort around the world continues to improve. One of the changes is a change of name. Uh, E3, for anyone wondering, this is 100% true. E3 now stands for the Electronic Entertainment Experience. It is no longer the Electronic Entertainment Expo, because you know, figure it's no longer an expo. Um, but the group, in the meantime, had been exploring partnering with NVIDIA to deliver hands-on, on-demand streamed game demos. The idea being that, like, let's say a hot new release was teased or previewed at E3, that you might be able to stream game demos over the internet to try stuff out. Pretty Who, cool. And who's, who said this back in the day? We said this, it, didn't we? This was On an this Alex. Podcast. I think this was an must have been an Alex Jones initiative. Well, I can't remember. Well, maybe it was me. I'll, I'll take uh, Can, full credit for this. But we actually talked about it at the time. We said it would be wicked if you could play demos along with the, um, like you could watch the show and you could play demos for the games. We said that would be a really cool thing if they did. I don't think we talked talk specifically about streaming, but um, yeah. yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it, and, and to be fair, it's something that like has already been kind of flirted with in the past. Jeff Keighley usually has stuff where his events like... Uh, Gamescom and uh, the Game Awards and and the Summer Games Fest have kind of done things where they've linked up with Steam, haven't they? And you can yeah. download demos for little indie games. Um, so understandable. It's, like, it's available now, and you can download it now, and you can play totally. it now, and it's that sort of stuff's wicked, yeah. Yeah, so E3 thought, that sounds great. Let's get behind it. Great way to add a little bit of interactivity with our online experience that we're going to be coming to everyone with this year. But they had a little twist in the tail, Jonesy, if you believe with the reports uh, as they, were, as they uh, came out earlier. Um, that apparently the ESA, at least at one point in time, flirted with having some kind of paid or premium pass that would include extra access to certain video games and the aforementioned demos. For anyone wondering, one source mentioned a potential price of $35. So, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm torn on this, right? Because e, so E3, you have to pay to go to anyway. Like You have to buy tickets to go to E3 if you want to go there. That's right. Um, there's something to be said, I suppose, for putting it behind a paywall to access the demos. Because one thing they don't want to do is, for example, have an online event which is totally free that anyone can log on to and then just have like so many people like jump onto a server to try and stream a game that it becomes unplayable, right? It's mm -hmm. one thing they don't want to do. Um, the last thing you want is... is Because, I mean, how do they know that they don't have a demo for a game that everyone's like, shit, I want to play that, and two million people try and play it at the same they don't time? Know. And it, 
crushes everything. Yeah, so totally. one of the ways to sort that out is to say, we'll put it behind a paywall and then we know how many tickets we've sold. So we know how many people could potentially be playing that demo at any one time. It makes some sense. $35 is mental. That's so much, that's yeah. too expensive for, uh, <laughs> sounds too expensive to me. No, it? it totally does. And and you and you're right. You you made a very good point in mentioning that like E3 tickets when they became open to the public have obviously cost money before, and for the ESA E3 was their money maker. E3 was the thing that kept them going year on year because publishers paid to attend. And yep. last thing we heard, they still planned on making publishers pay some kind of fee to attend their digital event for E3 this year. And now this was, I guess, one way that they were exploring to get. Uh, customers to pay as well and I, I don't think it would have been this thing of like oh you can't watch the trailer if you didn't pay I think it was kind of what you're saying like this feeling of being there and this air of exclusivity and that playing something that they could control in a way that not everyone could see this or not everyone could play that but $35 sound, does sound excessive in this era where so many things are just readily available at all times like trailers or videos or like gameplay streams or whatever it is the idea that someone's getting their credit card out to give the ESA $35 to sit at their computer for a couple of days and have some premium pass to some kind of exclusive information around games and play what are essentially glorified adverts. Like, yeah. you're, like demos are cool. Playing games before they come out is cool, but like it's a commercial, right? Like It is, yeah. It's just trying to sell a game for sure. Yeah. You also the, get the, a strange... We get, you get a bit of a strange situation where you've got to imagine... So let's like let's say for example that the premium pass gives you access to stream a demo for a new indie game, right? So you've got to imagine that that company um, have put together that demo. They have no intention of just putting it together for the ESA to sell tickets so that they can get people to to buy tickets so they can play the demos. So that indie company are going to make that demo available after the fact because of yep. course they are because they're not going to put time and effort into making a demo for a few people when they're not even going to see the benefit of it. True. So then you're going to end up with a lot of people saying, well, why would I bother buying the premium pass to play the demo now when chances are if I wait two weeks, I'm going to be able to play it anyway? Yeah. Like it gets, it just gets into, it gets into a weird sort of situation with me. I mean, if the, if it was $10 for the whole thing or it was, it was almost like a token just to, so they could control the number of people or like $5, it would make more sense to me. But $35 just seems a lot to say, you know, you oh, you can you can play like you said. You can play these glorified adverts to that. Feels like they're trying to make money out of people. Yeah, doing it, which is uh, weird. Maybe especially, are, which is weird. I was going to say, but it's especially weird when we know it's the ESA's first attempt to kind of adjust what E three is in this sort of post lockdown, post pandemic right. environment. And we know that most major publishers are going to do their own events again. We know that companies like Sony and Microsoft aren't going to be particularly interested in paying these extortionate fees to go and have their trailers at the ESA's events when they ran their own last year and they all went fine. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of bold for them to come out the gate swinging like this. Um, but of course, this was all... Uh, a lot of this conversation is made slightly redundant by what we'll come to later. Uh, one th- note I thought I'd pick out from the article was that multiple publishing sources, so video game publishers, told VGC they expected to provide some content for the digital E3 event as a show of support for the ESA, but that they would ultimately reserve their main reveals for separate independent digital events like those held last year. Which is interesting. That's something I hadn't considered. Publishers almost acknowledging their history and their relationship with the ESA by throwing them a bone, but not giving them the big dogs. 
Yeah, which is weird because in some respects it's like, oh, that's kind of nice of you. But at the same time to say, well, we're going to throw him a bone, but I wouldn't pay for it because it's not going to be worth it. If you want to get the real stuff, it's going to be free, like, yeah. you know, around the, on another website. But, but, or or even just the event itself. Like imagine if there was a big like opening night game reveal, like a three-hour long live stream that E3 are doing full of game reveals. And one of them was just like, here's Ubisoft, and they've brought a trailer for Just Dance that's got a plate at the end of it saying, tune into the actual Ubisoft stream <laughs> in two weeks' time for Far Cry 6 gameplay. You'd be like, well... Yeah. I'd, I'd, almost, I'd almost rather, in a weird way, that um, the ESA had said, do you know what? It's $10. If you want to watch anything about E3, like any trailers, any events, any of the... Um, what do you call them? Like the keynote stuff. Mm-hmm. Any of those, you have to pay $10. Like none of it is free. Um, and then you know, okay. And then they say, oh, and you'll also be able to get some access to demos, some of this, some of that. That would seem to me a little bit more straightforward um, and would be more like, oh, I'm paying I'm paying for a ticket to go to an event. But to have like a premium pass where you get extra yeah. stuff, but a lot of the big companies aren't going to be there. I don't know. It sounds, it that, sounds that would also be quite difficult to police though, right? Like... How do you show people yeah. trailers that are exclusive in this day and age? I think it would lit- you'd, you'd literally have to just, I suppose you'd only be able to keep, keep it exclusive for a matter of hours until um, people started dropping it on, you know, ripped it and put it all over other websites. Yeah. So, you, uh, yeah, which is nice. It's another problem they're going to have, anyway, of course. But It seemed like there were lots of problems, both ones that they probably identified internally and ones that sort of their publishing partners and other people they spoke to probably flagged with them as well because uh, things have kind of... 180 quite quickly around the situation. So VGC reached out to the ESA, said, hey, look, we've discovered all this stuff. Apparently they uh, had not just verified sources with knowledge of the original plans, but apparently they claim they've acquired documentation that proves that the ESA did talk to people about this. So they reached out to the ESA and said, hey, could you comment? What are your plans? Can you confirm that there won't be any paid elements to E3 this year? The ESA kind of pulled this very strange move where they refused to comment they refused to say anything to the story on the story, so the journalists published it. It went live. It did the rounds. It kind of went viral, and as soon as it was picking up any kind of momentum and people were talking about it and the pros and cons, as we've ironically just done, E3 came out and tweeted that the E3 2021 digital show is, quote, a free event for all attendees. Um, oh, you know what that is? That's that's free publicity, baby. That's I like, mean, oh, you're going to run a story about how about E3 and you're going to talk about everything that's going to be there and the fact that it's going, let them do it and then we'll do a response after the fact. Otherwise, you kind of kill the story, right? Yes, exactly. I was actually on the um, the Twitter page of the guy who wrote the original article kind of as this stuff was rolling out and it was fascinating sort of witnessing him vent his frustration and being like, I'm the guy who found this stuff out. I'm the guy that tried to get them to talk about it. It's it, He feels like they intentionally made him look stupid today. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now, may, like, now, maybe that's him taking it a bit too personally. I don't know. It's, it's funny because it, he's probably like he's probably right in that, that they consider all this and that they've that they could have just come out and they could have clarified with him beforehand. But I do, yeah, there's got to be an element of um, any publicity is good publicity. And the and if the ESA knew, let's say, for example, they'd had those conversations, those that documentation existed, they'd considered it, but they'd already decided against it because they mm-hmm. wouldn't make any money and the way to do it, it was going to be too difficult, as we've, like we've talked about. So they decided against it. And then they go, this guy's going to run this story. But if we don't say anything, it gets picked up, it gets talked about. Yeah. And we already know that we can 
put out a statement almost straight away denying it. And then they that did. goes out as a story. And we sound great because it's like, no, no, no. True. It's free it, for everyone. It, interesting. It was the official E3 account. And they even uh, quote tweeted in the in the official statement they put out was a quote tweet of a guy on Twitter called Nibble, who's kind of like a fairly well-known sort of like character amongst gaming Twitter who just kind of tweets news and stuff like that. And interesting, reading their wording, part of what they said was, we're excited to fill you all in on the real news for the event very <laughs> soon. To which another video game commentator, a guy who wrote the Game Dev Business Handbook called Mike Futter, uh, responded to it saying, the ESA knew VGC was running the story, and this tweet feels like some sort of, quote, gotcha to stick it to, stick it to a reporter. Um, I don't I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's a gotcha at all. I don't think the idea of sticking it... Like, the last thing they'll care about is sticking it to... It sounds to me anyway like sticking it to a reporter. It sounds like they've used VGC for free publicity. Like... And yeah. but but weirdly, we didn't actually get onto it earlier. But we there's a weird thing with when it comes to like journalism and games companies and media in general. But journalists use them in order to get clicks and sell you know sell adverts by. It goes stories. both ways, right? It yeah. goes both ways exactly. You can't like you can't be that surprised that companies can use journalists and journalists can use companies. I mean, it's totally. Is it that surprising? Like, not really. <sighs> totally. Um, although I, part of me does hope that the the only thing that comes from all of this is that ESA have realised that as we kind of discuss, while well, there might be room for sort of kind of like some minutiae around this stuff, and there may be a way of navigating it in such a way where you can release some kind of paid product that doesn't piss everyone off. I think last summer frustrated so many people in how fractured it was and how strange the rollout of information actually ended up being. I really just hope we have a solid summer block of news between whatever E3 this is this year, between whatever Jeff Keighley Summer Games Fest is this year, and whatever all the major publishers who are obviously going to run their own live streams again like they did last year, Sony, yeah. Microsoft, Nintendo, EA, Ubisoft, you name it. I just hope it's kind of a bit more condensed. Big up Summer Game Fest. Big up Summer Game Fest, yeah, sure. The glorified calendar that tells us all when everything's happening. I like the calendar. I like the calendar. I like them. If they just managed to, like we said, if they managed to squoze that into like six weeks of uh, with a a decent schedule, some cool stuff, and it's more contained and more like something you can follow. Yeah. I'm for the game. I'm for Game Fest. I'm, I'm for it as well. I'm slightly concerned about the fact that so many rumors going into this year's summer period uh, revolve around the fact that 2021 may not be a great year to release games in. Um, yeah, the, the worst. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of games are not going to make it out this year. But there's still some potential, right? Like Sony need to get the the next fleet of PS5 games ready and make us aware of them. We need updates on things like Horizon and God of War, even though, like, hey, God of War definitely make it, make it out this year, but they feels like they need to acknowledge that the last time they showed it, it was scheduled for this year. EA need to get on with um, showing Battlefield. I believe that's going to happen probably before June at this stage. I think EA are going to get out ahead of that one in some form. Um Microsoft, Microsoft need to do their first big summer thing with Bethesda under their banner. Do we see yeah. things like Starfield this year? Microsoft will definitely hope so. You know, there are so many fascinating questions out there um, that I hope we can answer over the coming months. All the more reason to stay tuned and to stay subscribed and keep listening We're to not, our. Tired this ramblings. is what's mad, Jamie. It's not even that far away now. That's what's crazy. 
Bro, it's fucking April. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's mental. It was April Fool's Day today. Did yes, you fool anyone? I didn't. I don't know if I was fooled yet. I didn't. I don't think I paid attention to anything really. So there you go. It's funny. I can't divulge too much, but I'm doing a task for my job at the moment that is ironically reliant on my ability to go around and find viral news stories that I can then share like and present to someone else as to be part of a, uh, a bigger project. And it's been very interesting doing the rounds today, trying to figure out what is and isn't uh, a an April Fool story. Um, <laughs> right, but it hasn't been that it hasn't been that mental. Lego right. Lego did one, but it was like super obvious and kind of funny. For example, they uh, uh, Lego pretended they had invented a product called Smart Bricks that if you were about to step on them with bare foot would move would know and would move out of the way. <laughs> That's great. Um, little things like that. That's did you hear cool. about the Volkswagen thing? Not to go too mental. That they were changing their name. Yeah, but they're not. Uh, no, I I briefly heard someone like it was on the news, but I didn't pay any attention. I was like, why uh, the hell would they change their name? And it's like the, it name. was like the dumbest thing where like they basically came out. This was not even April Fool's Day. This was like two or three days ago. Right. They came out and said they were changing their name to what was it? It was instead of Volkswagen, it was Volkswagen, like Volt Electricity oh, Electric Cars. Electric Cars, yeah. And then and then lots of major outlets, apparently even Associated Press, were like, hey. How about some comment on this? Like, is this an April Fool's joke? And apparently Volkswagen doubled down and lied to the press and were like, no, this is not an April Fool's joke. And then the day afterwards, they had to come out and be like, we're really sorry, this was an April Fool's joke. And it wasn't even April yet. It was like the 30th. It was just oh, the dumbest they, show they, ever they, seen. Come on, they should have held on. They should have gone no, for it. No, because apparently it was like, like, like the whole thing was a proper fuck up because they full on lied to like, like legitimate journalistic sources being like, so? yes, we are 100% changing it. But it, it got serious. I don't know. There's a big Bloomberg article that, about it that's been going viral. Journalists uh, don't tonight. like This is the thing with, with learning today. <laughs> Journalists hate it when they get something wrong. They love it when they get a scoop and when they can sort of say, oh, I knew before anyone else and lot I've put it out. But when they, when they get something wrong, they cannot stand it. And the higher caliber the journalist, the more they hate it. To be I fair. I think it's funny. I think it's funny to trick a journalist like that to say like, what, just the, for April Fool's, not like every day of the year. The, on, but like. hang on, however, uh, this, uh, this tweet, the, the, so to give you, a, oh, we're talking about fucking cars now. Um, <laughs> these two tweets shed a little bit more light on it. VW has been riding a wave of investor excitement about its electric cars. Thanks in part to some clever marketing, it seems to have cracked Elon Musk's snack for share price boosting publicity. VW's preference shares are close to a six-year high. News of the supposed name change helped VW's, VW's US depository receipts, the ones favoured by retail investors, climb as, what, as much as 12.5% on Tuesday. That's where this cringeworthy incident goes from being a bad joke to something potentially more serious. Oh, because maybe people start like losing money because they uh, of the name. Well, yeah, because the name, the change, pretending they were changing their name, made their uh, depository receipts that are favoured by retail investors. I'm pretending I know what that means. Climb by as much as twelve point five percent in one day because people thought they were riding this sort of like a Tesla like wave of pro electric car. Do you know what? It would have been Shite. great if they just went with it. They were like, "Sod it, we're going to Volkswagen because we've uh, it's, it's bumped our share price and we feel bad, so we're just going to go with it and we're just going to be Volkswagen from now on." Yeah, that would be there funny if they went for it. Anyway, there's your little bizarre closing interlude where we just discussed uh, April Fool's Day and Volkswagen for no apparent reason. Josie, anything else you want to say before we sign off? 
No, mate, I think it's all good. Um, I'll be playing some more Outriders uh, between now and next week, and hopefully I'll also be streaming some more It Takes Two with um, my wife. So, uh, yeah. yeah, pop along. Super and, Show Jersey uh, on Twitch. Rather uncomfortably, I will also be streaming some more It Takes Two with Steph. Your wife? On twitch.tv forward slash technology. He might as well be. So um, I'm not going to suggest that anyone here has to sort of choose between one or the other, but... I'm guessing, or I'm hoping at least, that we're kind of far enough apart in playthrough sort of uh, variants that you can almost watch both simultaneously and not have too much overlap. So try and clear um, out your schedule. No, forget that. I've got a lady in mind. So, uh, well, there you go. Come on if you, over. If you want to stare at Jonesy's wife for, for two hours <laughs> in the evening, then <laughs> head over to twitch.tv forward slash episode Jonesy. Um, Chris. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention that he's streaming a lot at the moment. He's streaming sometimes as much as a couple of times a week. He's now doing daytime streams, though. That's usually kind of like lunchtime, early p.m. here in the U.K., so whatever time that is for you, check it out. He's been streaming some Apex Legends, some Risk of Rain 2. There's going to be some Dota in there at some point, I'm sure, so uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, And in the meantime, we will be back next week for your regularly scheduled weekly podcast. If you want to support us and help us keep going, uh, on that venture, then be sure to check out the Patreon. That link one more time is patreon.com forward slash super show. Remember to like this video, rate us five stars on iTunes, leave a comment on YouTube, just engage with us in all those beautiful ways. And guys, we will see you next time. See ya. <laughs>